0: Hello, welcome to Kitchen Counterculture, a podcast where we refuse to take any action from our modern-day U.S. American agriculture for granted. My name is Jonathan, and, uh...
1: I'm Savannah. Uh- <laughs> and this is
0: Kitchen Counterculture, and uh, this week we're here to talk to you about corn.
1: Yeah, uh, this is, this is gonna be exciting, um wrote a, wrote a big old script. We're gonna do this one a little bit dollop style where I'm reading off a thing and you just gotta respond to it, love.
0: Yeah, I actually, so for the last episode, I was, you know, Savannah and I did a lot of the research together. Um, on this one, Savannah really spearheaded it. And uh, so i had, I'm gonna I had be, an
1: info dump to get out of my system. <laughs> so
0: I'm going to be sort of learning alongside a lot of you some of these things. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm super excited to hear about it. This also was going to be our first two part it is. series. Um, our first part, we're going to talk about, I believe, pre-colonial, mm-hmm. the history of corn pre-colonial, uh, in the pre-colonial world, and then uh, our next episode, we're going to talk about it after...
1: After the white folk got here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, after yes. the white folk got this, here.
1: This episode is pre-white folk. Um, but yeah, no, here, here at uh, KCC, we don't really like to think about history as just some stagnant series of events locked into the past, but i don't know i think we see it as more of like a process you know this it's this constantly shifting interplay between living beings and their environment um so my question for you love uh why do we care about history why study it why even make this podcast
0: (laughs) i think that history is important i mean learning you know i mean we all know the phrase those who are those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it um And I think that there is some truth in that. I think that unfortunately, a lot of us don't actually learn history or the parts of history that we learn aren't the important parts. We learn what happened, but we fail often to learn why things happen. And I feel like that's the most important part of learning from history is you have to understand why things happened, not just that they did.
1: I agree. I really hope we can get into the why in these episodes. but yeah, so today's subject is a being whose fate is just inextricably tied to the human affairs of this continent, and has been for a very long time. Um, she's, a, she's an actor with an unspeakably deep history, one with the power to raise civilizations, and she is currently growing in the lot behind our backyard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, she's gone by many names. Uh, most in the U.S. simply know her as Corn.
0: Oh, shit. Yep. Our Lady Corn.
1: Our Lady Corn. Fun fact about the name. Uh, so when uh, Columbity Boobity, I'm not going to, there's a couple of names that I'm not going to utter on this podcast. Um, Kalimbo Bimbo and Tramp. Uh, <laughs> so so that's why. <laughs> Kalimbo Bimbo? <laughs> and Tramp. You will never hear those actual names out of my mouth on this, into this microphone. <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah. anyway, so, bimbo.
1: so when a Calabita Babita uh, landed in the Caribbean, um, he asked the people there, just like, all right, what what's this plant? And they called it Mahiz, So that's where the term maize comes from. Um, corn is like a generic term for grain. So like early settlers here in what is now the United States referred to it as Indian corn, meaning Indian grain. And that's just where we get the term corn from now
0: i mean that's not problematic at all i don't think
1: oh super not problematic yeah
0: no that's for sure great like there's no bad things that can come from that at all
1: nothing nothing inherently problematic in the way we name things that's not gonna pop up later on in this podcast (laughs) yeah for sure for sure but yeah so um At a glance, right, Um, it was around 9,000 years ago that farmers in a land now called Mexico began experimenting with teosinte, which is a a wild grass. So picture like a corn stalk, now think of it smaller. And then think of it with like a bunch of branches, like a hand sticking out of the ground. Um, Instead of cobs, it's got like a couple little heads with a few seeds on it, and they've got really hard shells and they've got husks around every individual seed. when, uh, when scientists first started speculating that that might be maize's ancestor, uh, it was very controversial. <laughs> like uh, people did not believe, like how, how do we go from this grass to corn? And the answer is five genes and a whole lot of intentional selective breeding over thousands of years.
0: So so this was all created in like 1950 then? Oh yeah. That's so how it, after, that's when yeah. we figured out science.
1: Yes, that, right? was, that was when corn was invented. Uh by white people. Nice,
0: nice. Cool, 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 cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. So um fun thing about uh maize breeding is that it's a wind-pollinated plant. It needs a lot of space. You gotta plant it in like big fields, right? You can't do it just like a row of corn. It it needs space. Um early on this would have required a lot of uh planning and cooperation on the level of the community. And just very careful seed selection over a long time until they found the mutations that put one husk around the entire ear. And uh, yeah, no, this was this was basically a feat of genetic engineering played out across the history of the plant. Um,
0: That's pretty cool, actually. That's super awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's a uh, five genes are the difference between teosinte and ZMA's.
0: The genetic structure of plants is so.
1: Oh, plants are insane.
0: fascinating and wild to me because humans, we can't, you add or remove a gene from us and <laughs> we're done. It's over.
1: A plant can have twice the genes it did because of a div- like division era and just be a new plant. It's, yeah,
0: it's just a new plant. And There's no, now no we struggles, have golden birch. it's just, yeah. <laughs> You're just, we had lemons, now we have oranges. Like that's oh yeah. Plants. what happens. And animals, fauna are so much more fragile.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like our 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 genetic structures have to be so precise.
1: Yeah, I think I think that might be part of why you know animal husbandry and agriculture don't always go hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. It did in a lot of old, the old world, especially where people were using plows, but um, here in the Americas, like. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's not that people didn't domesticate animals. They absolutely did. There were llamas, turkeys. Right, of course. But, you know, uh, a lot of like the agriculture was more about working within the natural system rather than having a cow pull it up.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah.
1: Like you can't put a plow on a buffalo. That's not gonna work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: the, they are megafauna is what they are.
0: You know, I bet, I bet there is at least one enterprising individual in history who managed to strap a buffalo a little buffalo
1: you know i wouldn't be surprised if somebody tried <laughs> crazy yeah.
0: jim but it was just him though because everybody else was just like why would you do that
1: yeah no that i think there, there's a reason bison was like more semi-domesticated driven across the plains but that's going to be a different episode we will absolutely get into bison in an episode mm-hmm. um but no right now we're talking about maize so over the next few thousand years it spread north and south um, every person, like every group of people who grew it did their own iteration on it. They put their own twist on it. Um, and yeah, it had, by the time Kalubity Boobity landed in the Caribbean, it had been a staple crop for countless generations from Canada down to South America. It's, it's honestly easier to list the areas where corn wasn't big. Um, the Arctic tundra, because how are you going to grow it there?
0: <laughs> that makes sense.
1: That makes sense. Ice um, corn. Ice corn. Ice
0: corn? (laughs) Got your ice corn here.
1: Ice road corn growers. Um, Oh,
0: hell yeah, dude. There we go. TLC History Channel, hit us up.
1: Oh, man, you know, let climate change keep going. We'll find a way. (laughs) Um, So the Pacific Northwest. uh, (coughs) There they were growing mostly uh, camas. Um, It's like a root vegetable. Plus they had like salmon and all manner of rainforest products and not a lot of sun. Corn needs sun. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've learned that from watching ours grow. It definitely needs a lot of sun. Yeah. Like sun.
1: She doesn't like it when it, when we, we had some really cloudy days, corn was not enjoying it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, same deal in the Amazon. Um, Mm -hmm. again, you have a wealth of products from the rainforest, uh, not a ton of sunlight for corn. Right. Um, and the Andean and Caribbean regions of South America, they did grow corn. They were very agriculturally based. Um, but they also had other staples like potatoes and manioc, so Mm -hmm. corn was mostly used for a fermented beverage called chicha which is still a thing um do definitely want to try it (laughs) Chicha, but yeah it's like a fermented corn beer used in uh rituals interesting Mm -hmm. had a lot of ceremonial use um but yeah so that's that was a beer that was corn before the white man got here um corn nowadays uh these are just some facts i pulled from the usda's website um Maize is the primary you like the primary feed grain in the US. It counts for more than ninety-five total percent of feed grain production. It's uh 90 million of uh, 90 million acres.
0: Holy shit.
1: Are, uh yeah, <laughs> are growing corn, uh mostly in like the northern plains states and the heartland.
0: Wow, that's so much. What percentage of food grain did you say it makes up? 95%. 95- five percent of
1: total feed so like most of our meat is raised on corn yeah
0: we're just i mean that means we're really just consuming corn yeah at every stage of our food like it's just yeah it's
1: everywhere um it also like that's that's just in feed grain um it also has a multitude of food and uh, industrial products that can Mm -hmm. be made from it corn syrup of course uh ethanol yep but but most of it is uh, grown for livestock feed, which there's a super problematic history behind for the next episode. <laughs> um, and also about 10 to 20 percent of the US. crop is exported to other countries. We are a major exporter of mostly yellow dent corn.
0: <laughs> okay? Um, in, in yellow dent corn is different than yes. sweet corn.
1: Yes, so there are uh, there are a few types of corn. Um, well, there are a few major categories of corn. There's a lot of different breeds. but um, So we have sweet corn. That's the that's the one we're all familiar with. Um, that one came from a mutation from field corn, and it was introduced to settlers by the Iroquois. Um, it's picked while it's immature, so it's still in like its milk stage when it's got those green husks around it. Um, this is the corn on the cob that we're all familiar with. Mm-hmm. Stuff you have at barbecues, frozen bags of it, sweet corn. Sweet corn yep um most of what's grown in the u.s is dent corn uh mostly u.s yellow dent number two i believe um so you can recognize dent corn by it's got like a little dent in the kernel that's the name um there's like a there's like more starch on the outside like portion of the kernel and then it's like a little more sugary on the inside so when it dries the inside caves in and it leaves a little dimple on the
0: Okay, I've yep. seen that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so so that's dead corn. Um, that's what ends up in everything from cosmetics to animal feed. And like most breeds of corn, you pick it when it's dry. Um, You know, it's, it's a grain. You, you get it off of those dry brown husks and, you know, let it dry in the field, sometimes over winter. Then you pick it, harvest it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, that's uh, cornmeal, grits, all that shit.
0: Right, all that good stuff
1: um popcorn that's a that's a type of flint corn with a A flint corn yes that's the next category we'll get into
0: okay
1: uh uh, so it's got a super hard shell and you know explodes when it's heated so you know your favorite movie snack yeah that just that grows on a cob (laughs) okay grows on a cob you scrape it off popcorn um flint but you can't wait but
0: you can't use any type of corn for popcorn
1: uh, it's got to be specifically the kinds with a really hard shell, or else it's not going to pop. Like, you could put some field corn in a pan, but it ain't going to
0: pop. Even if it's dried out? hmm Interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah, so, like, with field corn, it's got, like, kind of a softer outside, and then it's got, like, that little hollow, mm-hmm. you know, whereas yeah. popcorn's basically a ball of water in a hard shell, and when that water vaporizes at, like, 400 degrees, boom. Popcorn. Popcorn. Okay. Yeah. I'm
0: just learning all kinds of stuff about corn right. products today.
1: Oh yeah, there's so much more. <laughs> um, flint corn is what's commonly or, re- er, you know, they're, they're calling it flint corn now, but for a long time people referred to it as Indian corn because, you know, nobody has any problem with these problematic things until like, just now. <laughs> <sighs> but, um yeah, so popcorn is a type of flint corn with like, really hard shells. Um, But yeah, that's, that's just what flint corn is known for is having a Having a harder kernel, it can be used as a flower corn or as dent corn. Um, it comes in all kinds of varieties, a lot of multicolored. The The corn in our backyard is a breed called Big Horse, so mm-hmm. that's a type of flint corn.
0: What about, of course, the uh, the infamous uh, red corn? Uh, very popular, I've heard with uh, southern, southern Texas ladies. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry. That's probably God not a good it. joke. God I'm just curious it. where that grows and if that's... You know,
1: God damn it. <laughs> if, that's,
0: if that's a traditional variety or if that's in the, that's a modern GMO, one of those GMO ones. Well,
1: uh, from, so the next category <laughs> is flower corn, which comes in white or blue. So I think red corn would probably be a flint corn, which is known <laughs> for being hard. Um A.
0: <laughs> <Ay. Ay.
1: laughs> uh, no, but yeah, they're, they're known uh. for their brightly colored kernels. Um, For
0: the Zoomers out there, there was a show called King of the Hill (laughs) that old people thought the old people watched.
1: And and they they watched the fuck out of it. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I think about Joseph all the time. (laughs) Like all the as a character. I don't know. I think just like me having like a Colombian father who I look like and then growing up with my white mom and just no acknowledgement of that but oh man but people yeah. were still super racist <laughs> to me but like you know i was still kind of the brown kid in my family so i definitely related to joseph oh, on like man, a spiritual yeah. level yeah okay yeah that, that was a character i always wished could get just a little bit more you know
0: uh, i'm sorry I, I derailed this we were having a good conversation i derailed oh we are stupid, still having
1: a good conversation my that... stupid
0: pop culture <laughs>
1: hey I, I love your pop culture reference this is what i, I contribute to
0: this episode everybody um, pop culture references and jokes
1: I mean, otherwise it would just be me rambling <laughs> but um yes. the dark
0: carnival is here
1: the carnival of terror but uh, uh yeah so our last category is flower corn um, flower corn yep soft shell starchy kernels used for corn flour
0: which is what we have in the backyard correct a type uh, of flower corn
1: I can't remember if it's flower or flint corn. So the breed in our backyard is from, I got it from Baker Creek heirlooms. It's called big horse. And, uh, according to the blurb, um, it originated with the Osage people. I have not been able to find any more information about this breed aside from the blurb on rare seeds and everywhere else. It's been copied and pasted. Um, so if any of our listeners know anything about it, please, please reach out to me. I want to know her story. Um, but yeah, no. I grew up hearing that this kind of colorful heirloom corn wasn't actually edible but decorative, which is a fat myth. Like people survived on this stuff for millennia. Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that that that's a myth that we're gonna definitely end up coming back to more in the second uh, the second part. But um. Yeah. No. I mean, that's
0: really the thing that I'm realizing is that like we, so many. I mean, and not not just realizing. But again, the more you read about Hirsh, the more you realize that we've just been given such a skewed oh, st- view of it.
1: Stacks of lies on lies on and propaganda.
0: How, <laughs> and how much it's affected us and how much like things you didn't even think about.
1: Yeah. Things that are so old, they've just been passed down that you wouldn't even think about where it came from anymore. But
0: Yeah, and it's just and and we like like there's things that I have had to realize like I learned when I was like you know in like third grade mm-hmm. that now you're realizing wait if they seem innocuous enough but now you realize wait that's not true oh yeah and then you realize how much just that like just a small simple thought like people didn't have corn yeah <laughs> before a certain time will affect how you view the world and view other places in it like it and definitely in in the interest of American exceptionalism, I feel like so much of it has been given, so much of the world has been portrayed that it was wasn't working until America was there. Yeah, or America was the country that figured out these problems, and it's like like well, not we invented
1: everything, so that's why we get everything, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's, like
0: that's not necessarily true.
1: No, but yeah, this uh, corn is I think one of those areas where the U.S. is actually really fucked up a lot <laughs> um, in the name of progress. But, uh, I mean,
0: America messing up in the name of progress? What? That doesn't sound right. That, not my America.
1: Our country, in its past, back when people were owning slaves, they might have had bad ideas about agriculture? No way.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
1: I know. But, um, yeah, so the. the Heirloom corns are food. <laughs> They're all food.
0: Indeed.
1: There's no non-edible corn. It's all, but um, there, there are a couple of inventive techniques that people have used to live a very healthy diet off of these plants. Um, okay. So one of these uh, is the Three Sisters, as it's commonly known, up here in the north. Um, so yeah, if, if you look at pictures of our backyard corn, I don't know if we're going to be able to upload any or post them to Twitter. That, that'd be cool. But, um, so yeah, if you look at our corn, you'll notice that there are, like, pole beans climbing the stalks, and then at the base of the plants, there's uh, squashes just spreading out underneath them. Um, yeah, I didn't invent this. <laughs> this, is, this is the three sisters. It's been around.
0: And it, it really is fascinating, like, watching it grow, like, watching the interaction of these plants. It truly has been amazing.
1: Yeah, we've been, this is my first year doing it, but we've been able to just watch these plants, like, sync up with each other. I, you know, I, I, I was afraid that I had messed it up when we started out because I planted them all at the same time and then the beans came up first. But then like, they, they put out a couple of leaves and then they just stopped growing. And when I was going through thinning the seedlings, I, I, I swear like, okay, so a lot of their roots like with the new corn seedlings and the beans were like mm-hmm. tangled up together. And the beans stopped growing until the corn started getting taller than them. And then they kept going again. Like, I swear they're communicating with each other.
0: I mean, like, you know, i would believe it. I mean, like we have, I mean, there was research I remember reading just a couple of years ago, like of people realizing that, like trees and forests were communicating yeah. with each other using mycelial networks underneath mm-hmm. like like deep underground yep, where their roots, connecting their roots were just fungus <laughs> networks yeah. that allowed them to communicate with each other like, like across a whole forest.
1: Like I would not be surprised if our plants are doing that in the backyard. I mean, there's plenty of mycelium just from the compost I put in.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think, and the thing is really interesting. It's wild to think that, like, plants are using chemical signals much the same way that we are to translate oh. information.
1: Oh, they have their other. own languages.
0: Because that's all that speaking to each other is doing. Like, me speaking to you right now, all of you listening, I am, I am triggering chemical and electrical impulses in your brain, independent of your will,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that are causing you to literally be able to understand me. You know the words that I'm saying almost instantly (laughs) and And like yeah
1: plants do this with straight chemicals and scents and you know just yeah like they 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 just they they don't they don't do it through sound so for the longest time a lot of people just assume they don't speak (laughs) which is an assumption
0: well i think that's us we have a very we have a huge tendency as a species to confuse sentience and sapience and Mm. they're not the same thing um sapiens being ape-like features. And we because that's how we evolved and how we achieved hyperintelligence, we correlate the two. And that's not necessarily the case on this scale of the universe. Yeah, I would argue (laughs) it's
1: not even the baseline human assumption. Like a lot of the oldest human cultures function on an animistic worldview where everything is alive because everything is alive. (laughs) It's kind of weird to think that it's not.
0: Yeah, that's very true
1: um but yeah so anyway we were talking about the three sisters Uh, yes we were sorry they grow really well together the corn supports the beans um the beans will climb up the corn and you know like a like a pole uh squashes will shade and they they're very spiny so it keeps raccoons and critters from getting into the into the garden but they're also like taken together just a powerhouse of nutrition (laughs) So, like corn and beans can be dried and stored year round. Um, you can grow summer and winter squashes, so you have produce, fresh produce, year round. Um, and then, yeah, so whatever amino acids aren't present in the maize, you can get out of the beans, and then the squashes will provide fresh, vitamin-rich produce all year. Um,
0: if if I recall, yeah. I feel like there's even interaction with the soil, right? Because oh, like. Yeah. Corn, I believe, takes like protein and nitrogen out of the soil, while beans put
1: that's right protein
0: and nitrogen into the soil. If I recall correctly, that a little is bit correct. of agriculture that I know. So I imagine growing them simultaneously just helps even out that process right there.
1: That is correct. So beans and every legume, uh, they're they're nitrogen fixers. So
0: nitrogen, that's the one.
1: Yep. So plants, there's not actually a single plant that can take atmospheric nitrogen and use it. But a number of plants have gotten around this with the help of bacteria, because that's how the natural world works. Things help each other. <laughs> but um, so they'll they'll provide shelter in their roots where uh, bacterial colonies can develop and take atmospheric nitrogen from the air and the soil and convert it into chemical form, and then that's just in the soil. So now all the plants can use it. And yeah, it's 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 a whole system,
0: <laughs> which is important because. It's part of why you can't grow corn in the same field year after year after year yes, because
1: they will deplete they that will deplete nitrogen. all
0: the nitrogen out of the field and then nothing will grow. So a lot of farmers rotate fields. I know I'm sort of getting off topic here, but I think it's sort of in, this is no, like no, another no, it's, important it's thing topic. that people figure this out. Even then, they're like, if we plant these together, mm-hmm. we can plant them together year after year after year because it's not draining the soil because of how we're planting it isn't draining the soil it would be if you were just planting fields and fields and fields of corn like we do now.
1: Oh, yeah, no, like indigenous agriculturalists came up with a lot of brilliant ways to keep the soil good.
0: Yeah, so if you grow these three together, you're keeping the soil in balance and you can use that land mm-hmm. year in year without having to burn down more forest to make more space.
1: Right? Oh, we're about to get into... <laughs> so... So a lot of traditional agriculture systems around the world, you know, not just in the Americas, but everywhere that agriculture was invented, the the first farmers were taking the entire ecosystem into account, not just the annual crop cycle. Like Mm -hmm. if you come from a background of depending on what is in season, when it's in season, you become part of that cycle, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you can see that carry over into a lot of traditional agriculture. So one thing that I find particularly fascinating is the Milpa system as used by the Maya, And uh, this isn't just a method of growing crops, but it's a whole system, like in four stages, that when executed properly, can just keep going indefinitely. Oh wow! Ever, you will never run out of soil this way.
0: That's pretty. I mean, that's so that's so wild. No fossil fuels, no fertilizers. You know, indefinite food production. and, And this is, I mean, this is like way long, long before you know the spanish showed up in south america
1: oh yeah thousands of years yeah so the milpa system um like the the milpa itself is it's the three sisters it's also every other annual crop you would be growing like arranged in a way just to help benefit each other so the first stage you take a you take a piece of forest that is cleared slashed and burned the milpa is planted so that's your annual crops your corn beans squashes potatoes chilies herbs companion plants that'll help improve the soil and control insects and then you can get like a couple of years out of that but uh we're you know this is like in you know being used in uh what is now the yucatan peninsula honduras guatemala it's like a very tropical area you got to be very careful with the soil in these regions so the next stage after they uh You'll get like a couple of years of annual crops, but then um, what they do is they'll plant uh, fruit trees, slow-growing things like avocado, citrus, guava. They'll plant that within the milpa. That'll take a few years to grow. A couple years after that, you put in some faster-growing trees like papayas and bananas, and that's stage two, converting it from milpa to food forest. Okay. Over the next couple of years, the trees will grow. They'll shade out the land. You uh, go find another plot, clear that, slash and burn it, start your meal there. That's on to stage one. and um, So yeah, so the meal to of food forest, stage two, the, the trees will grow. They'll start making fruit. With mm-hmm. Stage three is from food forest to forest forest, where you plant hardwood trees within those. Uh, those will take decades to mature. But when they do, you, you've basically reverted it back to its natural habitat. And from there you can either harvest the lumber or just, you know, let it be, but yeah. So I it's, mean that's
0: really fascinating to think about. And like the.
1: It's a whole process. The long term planning and the
0: long term planning that yeah. goes into this yeah, is something that I feel, you know, we sort of have, have, have lost in a way, mm-hmm. especially in like, particularly in West, I think in Western society, particularly in America, Oh my everything God, yeah. we're so used to everything being so transient so fast. Twenty-four hour news cycle, four year presidency, like everything, nothing lasts. Really lasts beyond infrastructure or property. Yup. Nothing else lasts past a generation.
1: And that is not how the meal bus system works. It's
0: not, and it's also not a healthy way, I feel, for society to function.
1: Oh no, absolutely um, not.
0: But again, this is this is something else that we can talk about.
1: It's going to keep coming up.
0: Depth and another thing. <laughs> but yeah, our just, our almost very short sighted view of existence and how we approach agriculture and infrastructure and education and everything in this country is, I feel, really starting to hurt us. And the fact that we can't, like, can you imagine trying to pull something like this off now? Mm. Like, actually, can you imagine trying to do it? It would never work.
1: I mean, people are trying. That's what the whole permaculture movement's about, but it's an uphill battle against moneyed interests, landowners, developers.
0: I guess, I mean, like, us, like, as a society, with the backing of our, you know, our government, the state, I guess, if you will, trying to do something like this, it it wouldn't work. You would get funding for four years, and then the next president would come in and cut (laughs) all the funding for (laughs) for it and say, we don't need these programs. And then it would just fall apart, like so many other long-term plans
1: that we have really any investment behind long-term anything like you know the people who are pouring money into our big agriculture systems they
0: want their money back
1: they want their money back this year they want results this year they want you to pour as many fucking chemicals into the earth as it takes to get their money back Mm -hmm. this year i think a lot of farmers would like to try to convert but they're literally financially like bound in such a way that if they don't get that crop this year they're fucked
0: yeah and it's and the fact that so many large corporations own so many farms are a big part of that
1: yeah but yeah so the the Milpa system we were talking about um can go on forever mm-hmm. uh, We described like you know in a plot all of these events are happening sequentially, but for a community you would have multiple plots at different stages at all times
0: right. So that makes sense. So you always have access to some.
1: You always have your animal crops. You always got your fruit trees. You always got your citrus. You always have more hardwoods coming in. Mm
0: -hmm, Right. Yeah. To build houses.
1: It's all about balance. That's how you keep a civilization going for thousands of years. We have not done this with the United States yet. It's a very young country. We have a lot of time to die. (laughs) But. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I should add that too. In that, like, you know, we were talking about, like, when I mentioned that you know, the, the interplay of the nutrients being able to allow them to use the land over and over again. They still didn't deplete one plot of land yeah, forever. Exactly. They still had multiple plots of land. They still used multiple different plots of land. Mm-hmm. They just, on each one of those plots, they were doing this to keep it preserved so that none of them, like, it's not just, there is no one simple thing and we don't have to care about it anymore. Yeah. Like, you still have to care. And even if you have multiple plots, you shouldn't just deplete one plot and then wait. You should be taking care of all of them to make sure that all of them can continue to be used not just for you but for everyone who comes after you
1: yep and not only that but like annual crops are just part of the whole system Mm -hmm. you know uh, a lot of early settlers did not recognize the just landscaping that had been done around them because they just saw big open forests and assumed it grew that way they didn't realize that indigenous peoples were doing controlled burns um Moving badly placed saplings, uh, growing food forests, and then doing so in a way that'll allow them to mature because they're you know they're dependent on the entire ecosystem. They kept it safe because that's that's how you should be. That's I that's mean, the reasonable thing like, to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think about like all like the massive cedar swamps that we sort of have here mm-hmm. in Michigan, um, and all of like, the old growth forests we have here. And I think, man, how much of that was intentional? How much of that was planted here by the people who lived here before we yeah. took all the land?
1: Before we before we took the land, I don't know. And named all of
0: our cities and I rivers and, and <laughs> named all of our cities and rivers and streets after their stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and then act like they're extinct.
0: Little little Michigan,
1: Michigan humor people. Oh God, people be racist as shit living in a town named Saginaw.
0: Yeah, for real, <laughs> Dewadgiak. That's uh, <laughs> weird.
1: that was invented by white folk. <laughs>
0: A classic uh, British name.
1: Yep. But yeah, so, you know, corn is just part of a greater agricultural system, but uh, Native peoples had one more trick up their sleeves when it came to living a very healthy corn-based diet, um, and that is a technique called nishtimalization.
0: <laughs> Nishtimal-what? <to my>
1: <laughs> <laughs> nishtimalization. That's a nish n i x. Tamal t-a-m-a-l-i-zation Um, it's a process where maize kernels are treated in an alkali solution, and this does a number of things. Um, it kills bacteria and fungi, flushes mycotoxins, uh, makes the corn much safer to eat. It also dissolves the hemicellulose, which is this glue-like component in the maize cell walls. So when that starts to dissolve, the uh, the pericarp or the whole of the corn will become loose. Um, you know, you can pull it off. Even it makes the it also makes the kernels themselves softer, easier to grind, easier to, um makes it a lot easier to digest. Um, Hemicellulose-bound niacin. You know, when that stuff starts to dissolve, that niacin is converted to free niacin, which your body can actually absorb. When it's locked in the hemicellulose, you're just gonna shit it out. It's not gonna go into your body. Uh, this is important. <laughs> so. Um, uh, oh yeah, another thing that the process does is that it will like help the protein in the corn bind together. So that allows you to make a dough that will hold its shape. No matter how mm. fine you grind cornmeal, because it hasn't been nixtamalized, there's no making a flour that will hold itself. But
0: pretty sure you just get grits.
1: Well, yeah, you just you just get grits. Right.
0: Well, if you don't nixtamalize it,
1: no, grits are nixtamalized actually. Oh, are they okay? They are one of the very few nixtamalized corn products that we still have. More or less widely okay. in the U.S. That and tortilla chips. Um,
0: mm-hmm. That makes sense. You need to nixtamalize them to make tortilla chips.
1: Yep. So the, this process wasn't really adopted by English-speaking settlers, but it still remains very big in Mexico, Latin America, Central America, South America. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 a huge part of the cuisine. It's how you make tortillas, masa, tamales. So people, I
0: mean, yeah, people grind their own tortillas still.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah so all in all this is a crucial step into making hominy masa the dough you make tortillas and tamales with
0: and also making it nutritionally viable
1: yes so without the niacin um this actually really messed up a lot of people so uh when uh when maize spread across the americas the mis- the nixtamalization process came with it um you know this combined with like the sisters and just a generally very diet raised a very healthy and well-fed people. Um, following Columba Bumba, uh, many Europeans took to corn as well. Uh, well, they took to the corn. They spread it into Africa. They didn't understand what the whole deal was with the with the ashes and the dissolving things. Uh, they thought it was This just is super- weird,
0: savage people stuff.
1: Some weird, savage superstition. <laughs> we don't need to do this. So they grew corn everywhere, and they brought it into oh, places, and people man. started eating it without doing this process, and that led to outbreaks of a niacin deficiency disease called pellagra.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. It was a huge problem. Um,
0: also, if you're talking about pellagra, it just sounds like – Ominous.
1: The other name for it it's is, like is Quashi or Kwashiorkor. I can't pronounce that. Um, okay. But yeah, so in the Europe, in Europe and in the US, they uh, solved it, quote unquote, with um, vitamin supplements and just a generally more varied diet. But this is still a problem in parts of Egypt, South Africa, and Indian, or in India. Um,
0: oh wow! Really? Oh yeah. It's I didn't realize that.
1: Still a fucking thing in some some poorer communities where it. Yeah, you know. They just
0: like they just don't know
1: well you know the people who brought them corn didn't bring them the process them to treat the, the, the corn.
0: to fix the corn yeah and it's
1: not that widely known outside of you know Spanish speaking America but uh yeah no this is a very this process has a long history um some of the wow. earliest physical evidence comes from equipment dating or from equipment found in what is now Guatemala uh, they dated it to 1,200 to 1,500, but it was likely earlier than that, because like I said, you know, this technique spread with the corn.
0: Um, I mean, yeah. that's so wild, and it really just reinforces the idea that, you know, how much information that, as a species, we have gained and lost over oh, our time.
1: This whole story... It, it's
0: why the fucking ancient alien things is so upsetting to me. It is so, so Condescending offensive. and offensive. Like deeply offensive. One, as if brown people couldn't figure this shit out. Right. But two, it in general is condescending as if human beings are just until I, I don't know, 1980? Right. They just, <laughs> we're just these, like, monkeys
1: mm-hmm.
0: flailing around, which, I mean, isn't necessarily the most inaccurate thing. We're not as far out of the jungle as you like to think we are.
1: Oh, no, there's... but The wild is everywhere. There's no separation between us but and the wilderness. Idea that, We've never left but it. the idea
0: that all of this information couldn't... Before the modern era, couldn't have existed without the help of someone else in what we would consider modern era technology is mm-hmm. wild. The Library of Alexandria existed. We know it did, and we know that it contained multitudes of information. Do you think all of the information was just people rambling about the weird gods? No, people were doing. We you know we know philosophers and people exist before then. You think they didn't have? Anyway, the point is. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm rambling. It's okay. The point is that, like information, we have learned things, and there is information that people have
1: had in the past that we don't have now. But that's why we're doing this episode. And I'm, not,
0: yeah, and I'm not saying reject all technology, return to the woods, but...
1: Maybe we should pick up some technologies that were good and have been good. Yeah. Fabric, th- textile is technology. Food is technology.
0: Right? At the very least, we can't... Don't throw up the core concept.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. So back to the script. <laughs> yes. So uh, the Aztecs, Maya, Chipcha, Inca people, they all commonly used uh, Cal which is, it comes from naturally occurring limestone. Um, Early on, like when they started doing it, it probably would have been wood ashes, but, you know, eventually moved on to this. Um, Cal is still sold in many Latin American grocers um, for this exact purpose. Um, Oh, another fun fact. So the the term nishtimalization uh, comes from two Nahuatl words. That's the language of the Aztecs. Uh, Nahuatl? Nahuatl. Nahuatl. Uh, we'll get into the pronunci- pronunciations later. but um, So, neshtli means ashes. Uh, tamale means dough, corn dough. Um, combine them. Ashes, corn dough. This is making corn dough with ashes.
0: Making corn dough with ashes.
1: Yep. Or limestone, as it's commonly done now. Because, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little cleaner of a taste. Uh, but, yeah. So, the, this process is still... A huge part of you know many you know Mexican and Central American South American food cultures. Um, we still use it a little bit in the U.S. Grits are a nationalized corn product. Hominy. Um, that that's just hominy. yeah hominy. But uh, yeah, so the first step, right? You make an alkali solution. Uh, that's why you buy your little packet of cow from from the supermarket. You put in some water, not in a metal pot. <laughs> Uh, this would have been done in a ceramic pot or, you know, clay. Um, nowadays, uh, yeah, it just, it just use a ceramic pot. Um, then the corn is stirred in. It's cooked for a period of time, soaked for a period of time with any process where you have a few ingredients and it's a relatively simple thing. It's not actually that simple. There's going to be a shit ton of variation depending on local custom tradition type of corn, uh, what you're aiming for, and nixtamalization is like that. <laughs> there's, there's some variations in how it's done. Um, but yeah, you could you could scoop the corn out while it's still wet and just grind it straight into a tortilla dough. Many modern cooks will use like a hand crank or an electric grinder. Traditionally, this part um, and a lot of people do still do it this way, uh, using a mono and a metate. So a metate is like a, it's like a big slab of volcanic rock. Then a mono is a like a cylinder, and you just you roll it. It's like a stone roller, mortar, mortar and pestle type of deal. Very old, still works. You know, it gets the job done. And that grinds it up. That grinds it up. Uh, you, you just you rub and grind it, and now you have masa dough, and you can make tortillas. Uh, I like what
0: they have on Village Cooking Channel.
1: Yes, one of those. Uh, very you know, different origins, but same technology, cause mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a grinding rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you could also give them a really long soak, rinse them and scrub them until the little nubs come off, dry it and store it as hominy like that. Um, That is uh, commonly sold in Mexico as pozole. Um, You know, it's it's what you make your your, your soup, your pozole with, uh, which is a stew made from hominy corn cooked with pork or sometimes chicken. You can serve it as it is. That's pozole blanco. Or you could add a red chili sauce for pozole rojo or add a green tomatillo sauce for pozole verde. It is not whatever Rachel Ray made with those beans and cans. And I don't have you seen the Rachel Ray pozole video? It's I have not. It is offensive. (laughs) 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 It is not pozole.
0: (laughs) Everything is out of
1: everything's out of a can. (laughs) All R squared. R squared. (laughs) But yeah, no, it's. uh, Did
0: she make it in under 30 minutes?
1: I, you know, <laughs> pro- probably, but yeah, no, oh, God. R- r- just, okay. Go to YouTube, type Demi Rancho, uh, to Cocina. That's that I'm pronouncing it very American. So you know how to spell it. <laughs> um, we can include a link. We can totally to include it. In yeah. Dona, Angel- Dona, I can't pronounce anything today. Uh, she has a very, I, I, I made her pozole recipe. It was really good. Um, I mean, I, I had yeah, to modify it, it and use canned corn, but...
0: It was super delicious.
1: Oh, thank you. But yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's it's tasty. It's simple. Um, I'm not Mexican myself, but I think anybody can get behind a good, hot bowl of corn and chilies. It's just good shit. But funny history about it is that according to soup lore, um, the original recipe goes back to the Aztec civilization and their penchant for human sacrifice.
0: Should I love lore.
1: Oh, yeah. Um... It's kind of hard to tell like how much of the, if it was like, it's really hard to find information about the Aztec empire. Cause a lot of what was ri- initially written down was by Spaniards who were conquering them and had a vested interest in making them appear as monstrous and horrible as possible mm-hmm. and destroying records of their existence.
0: I mean, as you do when you're committing a genocide yep. slash colonization, but,
1: but there was also definitely some cannibalism going on for like, you know, just part of the ritual thing. Uh, from, my the royal ass-
0: family needs yeah. their nutrients.
1: Uh, you know, from what I've gathered, the royal family might be the nutrients, actually.
0: In your heart is what they need.
1: But yeah, please, <laughs> please nobody use this as an excuse to be racist to Mexicans. Yeah, let's, let's not. Let's yeah. not. <laughs> Most people just make it with pork nowadays. Yeah,
0: I mean... People look, probably look. were
1: using uh peccaries back in the past day you know a little
0: weird. some people have human sacrifice some people say if we say we're gonna drown you and if you would drown then you're not a witch and if you survive then you're a witch and we're gonna burn you so you know everybody has yeah everybody has their weird shit
1: yeah the spanish were just coming out of their inquisition so it's like <laughs> y'all should judge uh. Yeah.
0: again I, what i said was not a joke that was literally that was how happening it would work yeah that happened if we drown you you, you're clearly fine Oh, if you live you're a a servant of the devil and we're gonna kill you anyway
1: oh yeah the the, (laughs) central Europe the Germans they were burning witches by the hundreds yeah it's wild yeah who came up with this so no people come up with some crazy shit yeah
0: so you know you just gotta
1: yeah I think I think it's okay to just you know history is wild and We, we need a Monty Python bit about human sacrifice that'll help
0: Oh, it over. I that think so. It.
1: Nobody expects the human sacrifice.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Except um, everybody did because it was a national holiday and everybody went <laughs> to the temple for it. <laughs>
1: yeah, but no, I think I think yeah. in many ways, maze and human sacrifice are very deeply tied together in many people's heads. Mm-hmm. I don't think horror movies have really helped.
0: <laughs> in the Tall Grass certainly didn't help.
1: Oh, God, no. I mean, gosh, like that... Okay, so like a lot of uh, German and Nordic uh, settlers when they came to the Americas, like they are coming from a tradition where, you know, they were growing wheat back in the day. Uh, they had legends of wolves in the fields, that uh, husk wolves that will like come and get you. And you know, they, people in, in the Midwest still talk about husk wolves. It's just a piece of lore that stuck around because <laughs> you, you don't want your children to wander out into the field and get lost. That happened to a lot of people. <laughs>
0: Yeah, your kid wanders into the corn, the grass and it's just it's done.
1: The corn will eat your kid. Just that's what it is. <laughs> but um yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a very complicated and politically charged topic, human sacrifices. Um I think it deserves its own episode. For, oh, for sure. For I sure. We
0: want to talk about it. Oh,
1: that would be that'd be good. Um for now, I really just want to cover some basics regarding the Aztec and the Maya civilizations cuz that's another you know, they're just all kind of together in people's heads. Um, how far are we at? What? If we need to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the Aztec and the Maya. Um,
0: I'm excited so, to hear about this.
1: Yes. So first misconception, um, there are no ancient Aztecs. There's no such thing. Um, so the Empire the Aztec Empire was founded on an alliance between city-states of central Mexico, as it is currently known, um, of the Acolhua people of Texcoco, the Tepaneca of Tlacopan, and the Mexica of Tenochtitlan. Um, mm, okay. Yeah, so the Mexica, that's spelled M-E-X-I-C-A, uh, those are the people who the country of Mexico is named for. They are like, kind of the dominant group of the Aztec Empire.
0: So it should be Mexico?
1: It should technically be Mexico. <laughs> um... But yeah, so the, the X is pronounced, like, it, anytime you see an X in, like, Mesoamerican context, it's usually going to be pronounced shh. Um, I think a lot of the confusion comes from the fact that X is not a real letter. <laughs> it, it just pretends to be other letters, and you have to guess who it's pretending to be based on context and memorization. <laughs> it is an imposter, is what it is. <laughs> um, also, the shh sound doesn't appear in the Spanish language at all. Like, it's easy enough for us English speakers for reasons that should be obvious but uh in espanol it's not a sound so that's why it was like represented with an x um gotcha yeah so yeah so the the mexica set, they came from like their homeland of aslan which is believed to be like in what is now the american southwest and okay. they settled in tenochtitlan in um by the uh 1325 jesus years um. Yeah. So the, you know, the, if you're if you're looking back into ancient ancient times, they're 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 not they're not in Mexico. <laughs> there's no Aztec. Um. So yeah, and um, when they got there, the Tepaneca, who were ruling from Azcapotzalco es, Escapulzaco, um, they were like dominant in the area, and they were taking tribute from the Mexica until a war broke out in 1427. Um, the Mexica had taken Escapotzalco by 1320 or by 1430, and then the next. These were all.
0: Th- uh, we should uh, the Escapotzalco, Tenochtitlan. These were all. These were all city states. Yeah, these were all city states that existed back yep. like then.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, and like you know, the region now known as Central Mexico. Right. Yep. So uh, after they took that city state, uh, the next year the Triple Alliance was formed, and the Aztec Empire was born. Um, this empire had about 100 years to grow and spread until the Spanish showed up in the 1500s to fuck it all up.
0: But grow and spread, they did. Like, it's actually impressive, like, the...
1: Oh, yeah. How
0: the Aztec empire grew and spread. You know, I mean, we have a lot of things about how ruthless and, you know, you know, intense they they were, but, like, they...
1: People idolize the Romans in the way that they don't idolize the Aztec, and it makes no sense to me.
0: Yeah, because they were essentially the same...
1: They're very an- analogous, Country, but
0: in different parts of the world. But like the, you know, just like Rome was created by the Italians, the Etruscans and Greeks. Mm-hmm. You no, know, this was an alliance of three different civilizations mm-hmm. that previously were large enough on their own, respectively. Oh, yeah. That came together and created an empire that managed to on um, the continent that they're on pretty much take it over. Like most
1: <laughs> people in Mexico today are descended from the Aztecs. Like that's for a reason. Yeah, because they were everywhere. Um, but, but
0: yeah, you just like a lot of Europe and a lot of the, you know, can trace themselves back to the Roman Empire. You can do the same thing with the Aztecs here, but they mm-hmm. don't get the same respect.
1: Yep. So you know the Romans they spoke uh, Latin. The the Aztecs they spoke Nahuatl. Um, so that's spelled N A h u a t l so the t l that you see appear at a lot of at the end of a lot of aztec words mm-hmm. your white professor probably pronounced it toll mm-hmm. you do not pronounce it that way that is a like um it's it's actually it's a it's a unique phoneme of its own um you like put your tongue behind your teeth like you're gonna make a t and then you blow air out the corners like so that's the sound so uh, uh instead of axolotl, like it's atlak. At um, not every not every speaker does it these days. Um, a lot of will be satisfied with just like a hard T.
0: Wait, you so she said axolotl is an axolotl?
1: No, it is a sholot. A sholot. Uh, so oh axolotl, you know, a spear throw, it's a atlak. The yeah. a sholoth is the little the little lizard dude.
0: Cute little lizard.
1: <laughs> not an axolotl, a sholoth. A shoult. Wow. Uh, yeah. The, the language is not Nahuatl, it's Nahuatl. Um, this is actually very important because the, the, the emphasis on the word goes on the second to last syllable. So when you pronounce it Tull, you're adding a whole extra syllable, which fucks up your pronunciation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why, that's why your white professor pronounces it Nahuatl instead of Nahuatl. Um. So it's uh, Quetzalcoatl.
0: Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl. Yep. Uh.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, and yeah, it is current, it, I mentioned modern speakers, it's not an extinct language, it is spoken by almost two million people today, um, and yeah, so Nishtemalization comes from Nahuatl, Neshli Tamal, Nishtamal. um, the taco, the, that was, that was Aztec in street food called the Tlaco, T-L-A-C-O, Tlaco. But yeah. Oh yeah, that's another thing. So okay. the TL only makes the t- sound when it's at the end of a word and when it's like in the beginning or the middle, it's like a it's like the TL in Atlanta. Okay. But yeah, the biggest thing is just to try to keep your syllable count correct. Um, that's that's usually what fucks up everybody's pronunciation the hardest.
0: Interesting, interesting. But
1: okay. Yeah. Um and there will be links to a speaker on YouTube. Um but yeah so part of the aztec empire's success was due to their advances in agricultural engineering so they had these uh rectangular patches of arable land built up on the wetlands of freshwater lake or swamp um and uh yeah it was like the symbiotic system of agriculture and aquaculture the runoff would accumulate in the channels between the chinapas as they were called and then that would build up some nutrient rich soil full of fish poop and they would scoop that up back on top of the fields, and that was just fertilizer. It was highly productive. You could get several harvests in a single year.
0: Okay, fertilizer.
1: Oh, yeah. So, so that's the Aztecs. Um, mm-hmm. The Maya, are, they're less of like a distinct group and more of a cluster of cultures, like the Nordic or the Slavic peoples are. Um, mm-hmm. There are more than 20 distinct Mayan languages oh yes so the maya are centered around what is now you know the yucatan peninsula guatemala honduras belize el salvador very old like much older than the aztec empire we're talking millennia here
0: oh yeah i mean the mayans were around when china was getting their stuff together the mayans were also doing their thing
1: yep so, yeah, like yeah. long before the, the Mexica came down, the Mayans had their classical period. They built their pyramids. They kind of fucked up the environment a little bit and realized this isn't healthy, so they stopped building pyramids. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine your way of life turns out to be damaging to the environment, so you just change it? You just change what you're doing, and then you're still there hundreds of years later. Can you? Yeah. That is unimaginable to the American psyche.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure.
1: But yeah, so um they had their own writing system just like the Aztecs do. Um so the the writing system dates back to the pre-classic period, so like 300-100 BC. Um they and this is why I hate when people refer to like pre-colonization as prehistory because they were writing shit down. They had writing, okay? They they wrote a ton of codices and then you mentioned the Library of Alexandria. Of th- what happened in the New World is so much worse. I just so much of the Mayan like literature oh, yeah. was destroyed by the Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to quote Diego de Landa, it's like uh you know he, he was part of the shit.
0: <laughs> he was a uh, conquistador?
1: I think he was a missionary. I should have I should have okay. wrote it down. Um, oh. He was one of them. But anyway, Diego de Landa uh, quote. We found a large number of books in their letters, and because they had nothing in which there was not superstition and lies of the devil, we burned them all. Which they regretted to an amazing degree, and which caused them sorrow.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, that's- That's just
1: quoting a Spaniard. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, like, it's just so- Like, you think the the library of Alexandria was bad? Be mad at this. This was so much worse. Uh, But yeah, so- maya they had multiple calendars um so the long count the latest one started in 2012 um there's the 260 day sacred calendar and then there's a 365 day solar calendar these would have all been used at once and they're circular calendars but yeah so so this
0: is the calendar that gave us the infamous
1: 2012 doomsday 2012 doomsday prediction they did not predict it was the end of the world it was just the end of the long count and pop culture decided that meant the end of the world Indeed. It, it's like if the end of the year and it's like if people in the future got a hold of the Gregorian calendar and they were like, it ends, it all ends December 31st. The world will be over. No, that's just when it resets. That was the long count. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, so that's the the Maya and the Aztec, you know, uh, geographic mm-hmm. time differences. They, they still had contact between the two. Um, they both grew corn. Uh, both built pyramids, row codices, but kept Apocalypto advanced Apocalypto was not no, an
0: accurate movie.
1: No, no, it was not. Apocalypse... Entertaining?
0: <laughs> yes. Accurate? No.
1: Apocalypto <laughs> was like, they were clearly speaking the Mayan language, and they, by all appearances, you know, they did that much research to make sure you knew that this was like the Mayan collapse, but that would have happened 600 years before the Spanish got there, and they show the Spanish arriving at the end of the movie, so I don't know if these Spaniards just got their shit together 600 years early, Or, or if the, I don't know why they just didn't go with Aztecs. Like, if you wanted to make it about the Aztec, just do the Aztec. Like, don't, don't make the Mayan. But Mm -hmm. anyway, also like there, there's so many there. I I can, we can link to another video where, uh, what was it? History buff on YouTube just discusses all the problems with it. It's, it's great. You should watch it. But yeah, so Aztec, Mayan, different civilizations, some similarities. Uh, they both played the ball game, uh, with, you know, the, the Mesoamerican ball game the the one with the hoops Mm
0: -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) yep
1: yep indeed as we all know from the movie road to el dorado famous documentary (laughs) um but yeah so it's it's an important ritual with spiritual significance um but yeah so that that takes us to the this this is the part of the episode where we decide to either keep going or make it a part two or if you don't like a long podcast, I'd say pause here and come back to it later. Because now we got to talk about the popelva. ready for the
0: it? Po- po- now we're going to talk about the popelva.
1: Yep. So congrats, listeners, on making it this far. Um, we're about to get into some mythology here. <laughs> uh, so um means... I think means... maybe we should
0: just preface by why it's so important that we talk about this.
1: Oh, yeah, we are. Um... So so the Pulpova means like council book. Um, gosh. So uh, we we've we talked about maize as like a crop and it's a plant that was grown for food in many places from Canada, down past the Caribbean. But you have to understand she's a lot more than that for the people who have lived by her. Um, and I don't think facts alone can tell you just what this plant means. Um, I think if we need to get anywhere close to understanding what Maze has to say, we need to learn at least one of her many stories. And this is just one mythology amongst many. But yeah, so a little background. Yeah, let's hear it. I love I love lore. Oh yeah, this is gonna be a good one, love. So background. Um, it's the 1550s, and the world is ending. Temples, sacred sites, a place where the story is spoken, it's being actively destroyed. Um, burned by conquerors from across the sea. Uh, Daykeepers of the Quiche Maya, in a land that would now be called Guatemala, put into writing a story that had been passed by voice for generations. Um, The story held the birth of the world, the names of the kings, the movements of the stars themselves. It was an ancient work of cultural heritage, kept secret by a people under attack. And for many years, the Quiche kept the story hidden away from the Spanish with their prying eyes and smoldering fingers. It wasn't until 1701 that the friar Francisco Jimenez was allowed to take a look and make a copy. We have no idea where the original is, but um, so he wrote his copy in two columns, one in phonetic Quiche, because remember their, you know, written language was hieroglyphic. Uh, yes. So it's it's you can't really judge pronunciations based off of the writing. Um so he wrote it in phonetic quiche and then in Spanish. Um this manuscript would pass through many hands, would be lost and recovered and republished again and again. There are also many versions of this story, because remember it comes from a living cultural tradition, you know. To this day there are over a million people who still speak the Quiche language. Um it has been translated and retranslated copied retold it's
0: really important to remember that none of these languages are extinct
1: yeah that is that is important not enough people realize that
0: unlike latin these languages still exist yeah people still speak them
1: they're living languages (laughs) i i I think the maya might be the majority population of guatemala if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken um But yeah, so I'm doing my best with the names in the story, but it seems like some of these deities have like multiple names. Well, a lot of them, all of them do. Um, Sometimes multiple beings are like represented under a single name. I think that from what I've gathered just doing this research, I think that like the Mayan concept of divinity and like the Christian concept of divinity we grew up with are not the same thing.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think that's very true. And I mean, I think that we have because of our unique place in the world and in history, we have, everything has been through a Judeo-Christian lens. Even for people who aren't, don't necessarily subscribe to those religions, you see every other religion through that lens. Oh, yeah. Because that's our dominant idea of what religion is. Whereas, in it's the scheme of the a world... It's such a
1: fundamental worldview, you don't know how to look past it.
0: Yeah, and yet, for most of the world, it's actually not... Most religions don't fall under the things that we would consider religion under in the Judeo-Christian sense, as mm-hmm. far as having, you know... A Singular work or a unified body or a like a built in a built-in hierarchy,
1: mm hmm. Yeah, so so try to get that shit out of your head when we go through this. Um, but yeah, the story you are about to hear is not a recitation. Um, I will be drawing from and frequently quoting the Tedlock translation. Um, notable because he actually talked to a daykeeper, um, which you'd be amazed how many people just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah,
0: I mean why speak to one of them? They're dead, right?
1: Yeah, they're extinct. Why talk? Um but uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, this this version this retelling is going to be in my own words, rooted in my own personal understanding of the story and what I want you, the listener, to take from it. Um we'll have a link to the PDF in our sources, and I cannot recommend it enough that you download it and give it a read yourself. So let's go. Indeed. Alright, part one, the human design. So it begins like this, and I'm going to read it verbatim because it's fucking beautiful. <laughs> um, this is the account. Here it is. Now it, rip- now it still ripples. Now it still murmurs, ripples, It still sighs, still hums, and it is empty under the sky. Here follow the first words, the first eloquence. There is not yet one person, one animal, bird, fish, crab, tree, rock... Hollow, canyon, meadow, forest, only the sky alone is there. Only the face of the earth, or, no, the face of the earth is not yet clear. Only the sea alone is pooled under all the sky. There is nothing whatsoever gathered together. It is at rest. Not a single thing stirs. It is held back, kept at rest under the sky. Whatever there is that might be is simply not there. Only the pooled water, only the calm sea. Only it alone is pooled. Whatever might be is simply not there. Only murmurs, ripples in the dark, in the night. Only the maker and modeler alone, sovereign plume serpent, the bearers and begetters, are in the water, a glittering light. They are there, they are enclosed in quetzal feathers and blue-green, thus the named uh, Tepeo Gukumats, sovereign plume serpus, serpus, serpent, Serpice. <laughs> serpent. Mm. They are great knowers great thinkers in their very being and of course there's the sky there's also heart of sky called Hurricane. this is where the term hurricane comes from is this deity mm-hmm. uh, and there were three of them thunderbolt hurricane newborn thunderbolt and sudden sudden thunderbolt these three together are heart of sky so in the blackness and the early dawn Hurricane, heart of sky came down to speak with Gukumats, the maker and modeler bear, bear be they together I think are gukumats either uh-huh. that or Gukumats is their leader it varies um, so they got together they spoke and in the darkness they whispered they worried they planned quote they agreed with each other they joined their words their thoughts and then it was clear then they reached a chord in the light and then humanity was clear and so began their great work uh, Thunderbolt, Hurricane. So that was
0: them coming together to decide to make, make... humans, life. Make life. Okay.
1: Yep. And when they decided that was, that was the inception the of right. reality.
0: The, the actual decision t- to make reality.
1: Yes. Uh, created reality. Yes. So, <laughs> okay. Thunderbolt, Hurricane, newborn Thunderbolt, and sudden Thunderbolt, they spoke of raising the earth and draining the water. From their words, the mountains rose from the sea like mist. So, it's the language that creates being. By naming it, they create it. Um, but, you know, they knew there would be no high days and no praise for their work until the rise of the human work. Because without worship, are you really a god? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's another lovely point from the story. Uh, from the mountains rose forests, and now they planned the animals, the guardians of the mountains and the forests bears and serpents deer and birds jaguars pumas they made homes for all the animals in the valleys and in the trees they asked the deer and the birds to speak their praises to keep their days but the animals could only squawk and chatter so the maker the modeler the bearer and begetter they spoke among themselves and since the animals couldn't keep their days they would make their home in the canyons in the forests their flesh would be food for the humans when they finally came to be and they tried again the maker, modeler, bearer, begetter, if their days were to be, mem- to be remembered, if their praises were to ever be spoken, they needed to create a nurturer, a protector, a giver of praise and respect. So they looked to the earth herself, and they sculpted men from mud. Um, this is going to be the first thing that I immediately compared to the Bible myself. Not going to be the last. <laughs> um, the mud people were not a success. <laughs> The, they, they couldn't hold their form, their, their heads just hung limp, and they couldn't walk or reproduce, and they just babbled nonsense before disintegrating. It won't last, said the mason and sculptor. Let them dwindle away. So they brought down their work, and again the gods spoke, in the sky and in the sea. This time they decided to invoke the midmost seers, the grandfather and the grandfather themselves, Shpia Shmukane. So Shpiakok, the grandfather, he's the keeper of the seeds of the coral tree. Shmukane is the grandmother, the day keeper, the diviner, and the keeper of maize. Um, these are gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the with their help, the maker and the modeler carved men from the wood of the coral tree, and women from the hearts of bulrushes. Um, these mannequins, wooden people, uh, way better than the earth people. Like they could actually move, they could work, they could spread, they could reproduce. Um, They were the first people to walk the earth in great numbers, but but their hearts were empty, cold, and they had no memory of their makers, they had no sense of the divine, they had no sense of respect or gratitude, and they just went where they wanted, did as they pleased, and didn't care who would hurt. They were cruel to everything, from their dogs to their grinding stones, so the gods reasoned, they had to start over and try again. And devised a flood. Uh, there again, I gotta quote directly because it's badass. <laughs> there came a rain of resin from the sky. There came the one who named gougers. <sighs> there came the one named gouger of faces. He gouged out their eyeballs. There came sudden bloodletter. He snapped off their heads.
0: Oh my!
1: There came crunching jaguar who ate their flesh. And there came tearing jaguar who tore them open. They were pounded and pulverized, ground down to the bones. The earth was blackened because of this. The black rainstorm began. Rain all day. Rain into the night. Into their houses came the animals, small and great. Their faces were crushed by things of wood and stone. Everything spoke. Their water jars, their tortilla griddles, their plates, their cooking pots, their dogs, their manos and metates. Each and everything crushed their faces. The grinding stones quote, We were undone by you. Every day, every day, in the dark, in the dawn, forever, rip, rip, rub, rub right in our faces because of you. This was. These are their grinding stones talking. This was the service we gave you at first when you were still people. But today you will learn of our power. We shall pound and we shall grind your flesh. So, all in all, it was a massacre.
0: yeah holy shit that's like this is like some metal shit <laughs> the, the, what the fuck yeah holy shit yes damn
1: <laughs> yep and like what gets me about the wooden people is it's hard not to compare them to us you know just okay their great sin was living not in balance with the earth. They didn't mm. have respect for living things. They just used things. They commodified it. They didn't care what it felt like. And that was why yeah, they were okay. punished. Yeah. That was why they couldn't be.
0: I mean, and yeah, and here we are sort of doing that same shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so all in all, the, the wooden people, people were massacred. Um, the few who managed to survive escaped into the trees and became monkeys to be a reminder to us. So right here in the story, you have monkeys and humans as close relatives. And, I don't know, I thought that was cool. <laughs> so all of this was in the early dawn, before the f- before the sun first rose. Mm-hmm. In the age of the wooden people, the, the face of the sun moon was clouded over. It was like... Early dawn, you know, where everything gets bright and then it just kind of stays bright and then it's like twilight and then it's dark again and that's just how a day goes. In the absence of the sun, there was an imposter, a false idol revered by the wooden people, and his name was Seven Macaw. Mm, seven Macaw. Seven Macaw. So this is a, another verbatim quote because again, I love it. This is what Seven Macaw says about himself. Okay i am great my place is now higher than that of the human work the human design i am their sun i am their light i am also their months so be it my light is great i am the walkway and i am the foothold of the people because my eyes are of metal my teeth just glitter with jewels and turquoise as well they stand out blue with stones like the face of the sky and the snows of mine shines white into the distance like the moon, and since my nest is metal, it lights up the face of the earth. When I come forth before my nest, I am like the sun and the moon. For those who are born in the light, begotten in the light, it must be so because my face reaches into the distance. Bit of a braggart. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this is this is one of the three heavenly imposters. It's their father, Seven Macaw. Any good farmer knows you can't plant a healthy crop without first preparing the field. So before the gods would begin their third and final attempt at creating humankind, a couple of changes would have to be made. Oh, shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, remember Shpiakak and Shmukane, the grandparents from earlier? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they had a couple of grandsons, uh, the hero twins. Their names are Hunapu and Shpilanke. So Hunapu and Shpilanke, being gods, clearly saw that seven macaw was evil and something had to be done you know there there was not going to be a sun that could actually fertilize your crops as long as this braggart was around pretending Mm -hmm. and um i don't know i personally see seven macaw as like he functions the way capital does today you know he doesn't actually provide anything except for shiny jewels and the illusion of importance but the wooden people don't know that, <laughs> and they think he's God.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, but yeah. So, uh, so Hunapu, Spelanke, figure this guy's gotta go. Um, together they plotted. What are, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna shoot him while he eats dinner? Are they gonna make him ill? Take his riches? And Seven McCall, he wasn't alone either. He had, a, he had his wife, Chimalmat. Um, by her, he had two sons, Zipakna, a uh, caiman so big he could sculpt mountains in a day. And Earthquake, who moved and softened the mountains um, Seven Macaw claims he's the sun. Zipakna claims he built the earth. Earthquake claims he brings down the sky. The boys have their work cut out for them. Our hero twins, Hunapu and Spelanke. Mm-hmm. Every day, Seven Macaw came to the Nance tree, took his meal from his branches. One day, the hero twins were crouched in the shadows waiting. And a Seven Macaw flew up into the tree, grabbed a fruit, bang, one of Hunapoo's blow darts exploded through his jaw and shattered it.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah.
1: <laughs> then they come running out of the shadows to grab him, but Seven Macaw, his jaw in bloody and in tatters, grabs Hunapu's arm and pulled it straight off of his body and flew home with it.
0: What the? F- this is metal as
1: shit. This is the what? first- this is amazing!
0: <laughs> How have I never heard of this before?
1: Genocide. Fucking heaven. jaguars <laughs> eating people,
0: crunching bones.
1: This is the god. first time Hunapu is dismembered, and it will not be the last time this happens in this story.
0: Holy shit. <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck? Can I... Wait, this creature is way more metal than... Oh, man. Christians just, God's just like, oh, I'm going to, like, Bob Ross in it. Like, oh, everybody needs a little tree.
1: Oh, and man.
0: the Aztecs, they're just like, fucking
1: Mortal Kombat! Well, Mayans, but yes. Mayans
0: were like, <laughs> Mortal Kombat from the fucking beginning of the universe.
1: Uh, we haven't even gotten oh, to the man. Lords of Shibalba. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no. Th- at no point does this story ever stop like ever refuse to be metal as fuck (laughs) (laughs) at no point will it do that
0: hell yeah okay yeah go on i'm loving this
1: all right so seven macaw with his bloody tattered jaw has just torn off Hunapu's arm and flown off with it and the boy gods are like all right well we got to get that arm back (laughs) so uh so they invoked their grandparents um in the form of great white peccary and great white coati. Um So a peccary is like a like a pig like pig like sort of animal, and then a coati, I it's like picture like if an aardvark had a baby with a skunk.
0: Oh. That that's huh. the best
1: way I could describe it. You you will have to Google image search these animals if you know you're like me from the north and have never seen them. <laughs> hmm But um, yeah no so uh so they invoke their grandparents in the form of a couple of old folk uh where am i oh yeah so seven macaw he's sitting outside of his home nursing his jaw when two very old white-haired grandparents come walking past and the boys are romping behind them and seven macaw calls out to the old man hey hey where are you where are you going oh oh us we're just headed to our work to pull the worms from teeth and cure eyes where, the worms from teeth is their specific phrase for it I, I love it well, the worms from teeth yes because that's what's wrong well, with the your worms
0: teeth. from teeth. okay
1: that's what's wrong with your teeth is there's a worm in it <laughs> there's
0: a, yeah you know i hate when i have worms in my teeth oh personally. yeah
1: it's just such a like visceral description huh yeah so um, oh we're, we we fix eyes and we fix teeth uh So Seven Macaw asks, why are you two old folks even working? Like, aren't those your sons behind you? Don't they have jobs? Oh, these boys? No, they're our grandchildren. It's us who take pity on them. They don't eat, but what we provide. Pity. Take pity on me, said Seven Macaw in great pain. Those two tricksters of yours shot my face. I am in so much pain. I can't sleep. I can't eat. Please help me. All right, all right, we can fix that. Mm. So the grandparents agreed to help Seven Macaw. Uh, First, they pulled the jewels from his jaw. They picked the metal from his eyes. All of his finery picked away piece by piece. No more turquoise, no more jewels. All of it gone. For his teeth, they gave him plain, white, humble kernels of maize. (laughs) His face fell when he saw what they'd done to him with without his jewelry and his finery what was he you know that was his claim to fame that was his wealth his riches and when you take a rich person's riches they are nobody they don't know how to just be a person and that's what happened to seven macaw he just he straight up died of misery you know now that he can't be top dog he just fucking died and his codependent ass wife died with him
0: seven macaw
1: and that's how he was defeated And that's what I think we should do with rich people. We should give them the seven macaw take their shit. Then there are no more rich people, imposters claiming that they're the source of all wealth when clearly the sun is, that's what makes your food grow.
0: Right. (laughs) Yes. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's seven macaw down. Um, Remember, he has a couple of kids, so there's a couple more impostures that gotta go before the world can be made ready. Um, there's Zipakma. there's Zipakna, the great caiman, the builder of mountains in his own right, but claims to have built the earth itself. He doesn't. He just moves it around a bit. Yeah, you know, it's like a, it's like a, like a backhoe claiming it built earth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so there was a group of young men called the Four Hundred Boys, um, all gods because remember there aren't any people yet. Um... So one day, the 400 400 boys, they are pulling in vain at a giant log. Uh, They just cut down a great tree. They wanted to build their house with it. And this log was going to be like, you know, the centerpiece, the pole that holds it up. (laughs) So Sabakna comes walking by. He sees this and he's always eager for a chance to show off how strong he is. So these boys are tugging at this log. Giant Cayman dude walks up like, Ha! puny humans, picks it up walks away with it like nothing. Like, alright, where do you kids want this? The 400 boys stood shocked and slack-jawed. Uh, one of them asks, um, hey, uh, we, we've got more work tomorrow, if you wouldn't mind helping out again. And Zipakna is like, ha, tiny little people, sure I can help you out again. And he walks away, and the earth shakes behind him. And the boys look to each other. Um, is it just me, or is that dude a fucking threat? <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. You saw the way he just picked up that whole tree. That was, that was an intimidation tactic is what it was. Like, Can you imagine just having some dude around who could just pick up our house and knock it down? That's not... I feel intimidated. <laughs> so so the, the boys agreed they got to get rid of this dude. <laughs> He's a problem.
0: Okay.
1: I know. Uh, when you read the story, it's just like, why are they mad at him? He helped them build their house. But you have to understand, it was like he was showing off his strength is what he was doing. He was letting the boys know that their house is just matchsticks to him. Um so the next day, they they dug a big hole in the earth, a great one. Like from the edge you could look down and only see blackness. Um so they called Zabakna and they're like, "Hey, all right, we dug as much as we could. Could you go down and like keep digging?" Uh Zabakna, he was on to the boys. So he's like, "Yeah, sure." Oh, he goes he goes down into the hole and instead of digging down, digs to the side, makes himself a little cavern, tucks himself away underneath the mountain, and from the edge the the, the boys, they go, they get another big tree, they roll it over to the edge, and then,, boom, drop it into the hole. Mm-hmm. And they wait. There's silence. Um, the boys didn't hear anything for a minute. Uh, is that safe? I, I think we did it. Hell yeah, I think I think we did it. okay. okay, here's what we're gonna do. Tomorrow we're gonna make a we're gonna make a batch of our sweet drink, you know? And then the day after tomorrow we can come by, see if the ants have started taking his body, and then, you know, then we'll know for sure that it's safe. The drink should be ready the day after that. Uh we can get shit faced, celebrate our new hut, housewarming party. Hell yeah, everybody's, you know Zipakna hears all this from down in his little cavern. Mm-hmm. So the next day the ants come and he he takes off little pieces of his hair and his nails and he hands that to the ants the ants walk away with it and then the boys see that and they're like all right guess we got him yeah that's that's definitely his hair and nails all right we did it yeah drinks uh, the next day the drinks were ready the hut was finished and there were no big aggro dudes walking around capable of destroying their home it's time for a housewarming So that night, you know, they're feasting, they're celebrating, a fire's roaring, they got their drinks, they're having a grand old time. They didn't see it coming. It was in an instant, and Zipakna, bam, smacks down their house. The whole thing crashes down on top of the 400 boys, killing them all instantly. They're fucking dead now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All
0: 400 of the boys? All
1: 400 of the 400 boys are dead now. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. With a single blow, he brings down their whole house, just as they had feared he would. (laughs) (sighs) Yep. Well. So, yeah, Hunapu, Spelanke, the hero twins from earlier, um, they were friends with these kids. And now 400 of their friends are dead. So, they're a bit pissed uh Zapakna moves his way to the top of their list now
0: <laughs> but but I mean but the boys started it.
1: They did try to kill him yes
0: I mm-hmm.
1: know uh, this this was a part of the story where I was initially siding with Zapakna but then I did a little bit more reading and like uh it's it's like more of a social context mm-hmm. uh, you have to understand Zapakna wasn't trying to help them. He was purely just showing off the fact that he could tear down their house and they got scared tried to kill him. And then he tore down their house. <laughs> so, uh,
0: well, so, self fulfilling you know, prophecies.
1: Self fulfilling. Yeah, it's a self fulfilling prophecy, is what it was. So, yeah, so Hunapu and just lost 400 of their friends. Mm-hmm. 400 best friends, gone in a night. Sipakna has to fucking die. <laughs> uh, so, Sipakna, being a caiman and all, big fantasy food. Uh, the hero twins, they they made a counterfeit crab. They they took a big old flagstone for its back and uh, put a couple of bromeliad flowers for claws. They wedged it in between like a like a little valley and a crevice. And, um, and then they come running up to Zapacna. Uh, they found him searching along the shore, and they're like, "Hey man, where are you going? What are you up to?" And Zapacna, "Oh, I'm, I'm just I'm looking for my next meal. Pretty hungry. Being being a big salmon and all, he needs to get his calories." Mm-hmm. And uh. You know, hey, you know, we saw this, we saw this huge crab in that valley over there. We couldn't take it ourselves. It was, it was so scary. But, but you, Hugh build mountains like a child making sandcastles on the beach. I mean, surely you can handle this crab. Zipak, you're darn And I can handle it. So, so he went off where the boys pointed. And, like, the way they had positioned the crab, he had to, like, you know, he gets in there, he's, it's, he tries to get into the crevice and, like, oh, well, I'm stuck, so he turns a little bit and he wiggles and he shimmies and he really wants this crab he's so hungry and he turns and he finagles himself into the space and he finally gets his teeth on that piece of flagstone but it's too late his his just the tips of his feet are poking out now the mountain sighs shifts pins him underneath and that's where he is. He just he just dies there. That's <laughs> that's the end of Zapakna. <laughs> 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 he just he's trapped and he turns to stone.
0: <laughs> Holy shit!
1: Yeah. Uh, so now all that's left is the second son, Earthquake. You know the one who claimed to call down the sky. Uh, Heart of Sky, the actual Sky Deity, the the hurricane himself, mm-hmm. takes personal offense to this, to this one. So, so he meets with the hero twins, and um, you know, earthquake. Earthquake's gotta go. Lure him into sitting down over there in the east. I'll tell you how to put a spell on him.
0: (laughs) I mean, this is fucking bananas.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, and this is prologue. Oh man. Okay, so so they, so the, the the boys they meet with earthquake with that same old question. Where are you going? Uh, I ain't going nowhere," said Earthquake. "I just, I just scatter mountains and I, and I break them down in the course of days. <laughs> hey, hey, where you? I don't know your, I don't know you guys' faces. Where, where did you come from? Oh, us," so, said Hunapu and Shbalanke. Oh, "We're, we're nobody. We, we have no parents. We don't have a home. Our, our mama was so broke she didn't even leave us names. You know, <laughs> like, we just hunt. We trap in the mountains. and, and you know, you said you tear down mountains." I don't know there's there's a big one over that way you know back yonder there, there's a big old mountain in the east and it's just getting taller and taller every day maybe you just couldn't take that one well, earthquake doesn't like that he, you know he's like show me this mountain I'll I'll, I'll I'll show you what i can do so the boys led the way earthquake walking in the middle And along the way they stopped to shoot down a couple of birds with their blow darts um and one of the birds they coated in clay and you know coated and cooked it in the earth Um, Earthquake's mouth starts to water at the smell. Hey, hey, what are you guys making? It smells delicious. Can can I have a bite? Oh, boy. So the boys, they toss him the earth-covered bird, and he swallows it whole. And in that moment, his fate was sealed. The spell began to settle in. (laughs) The, The magic's taking hold. The rest of the walk, his limbs are growing weaker and heavier. By the time they made it to the place Hurricane had sent them, his strength was completely sapped, and he couldn't move a bit. So the boys tied his hands behind his back, bound his legs, just buried him right there at the base of the mountain. Wow, brutal. Brutal.
0: They're the heroes.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: they just been like murking people.
1: Oh yeah. Well, they gotta they gotta get rid of the the seven you know the the three holy imposters because with these guys around pretending that they are the source of life you know like how our rich people do today. hmm You know they're they're leading the wooden people astray.
0: So, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, uh, they they they've made a world that is inhospitable to kind, gentle humans because they're false idols, and that's what they do. Okay. But yeah, but no, the the the, bo- the hero twins are pretty fucking metal.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they've uh, so they've managed to kill two of the three imposters.
1: No, they've killed all three. Seven macaws. Oh and yeah, no, yeah, this is the last one. Yeah, this is the last one.
0: You're that's right. That's the yeah. last one. Okay.
1: Yep. So before we get into the, the final part, we got to wind this back a little bit. Uh, part three family drama. So, uh, so in order to understand the next part of the Hero Twins tale, we got to learn about their dads. Um, so, Shpiakak, Shp- Shmukane, their grandparents, they had two sons, twins, named One, hun- uh, one Hunapu and Seven Hunapu. This is where they. One
0: the... Hunapu and Seven Hunapu? Yes. What are these names? Seven macaw? <laughs> yes. Is it just seven birds in a fucking coat? Like No. I
1: don't... Uh, the names correspond to specific dates on the Mayan calendar.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. One Hunapu and seven Hunapus.
1: And those are the father of Hunapu no number and uh, Spelanke. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it messed me up a little bit too starting out. That's why it took me so long to write the script was just getting the character straight. Okay. But uh, yeah, so so my understanding is that the number names correspond to certain dates on the Mayan calendar. Um, so one Hunapu, he has a wife, egret woman, two children by her named one monkey and one artisan. Okay. The, the, there will be more number names. <laughs> so so you have one Hunapu, seven Hunapu, dad and uncle, their kids, or you know one monkey and one artisan by one Hunapu and egret woman. Seven Hunapu remains unmarried, but, you know, they raised the kids together. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two, they were great thinkers, and they were smart and cunning, and they taught the boys one monkey and one artisan all kinds of things. They taught them. They taught their sons how to sing, how to write, and how to play the flute, and how to work jade and metal. And, um, and they liked to do two things. They liked to throw mm-hmm. dice, and they liked to play ball. And boy, did they play.
0: Oh shit! Play ball. They're ballers. They're ballers.
1: They're ballers. They're ballers. They're ballers. This is what they the hero do. twins are ballers. Oh, we're gonna get to the hero twins oh. and their ball game career. Oh, well,
0: this is their dads. Their dads this are ballers.
1: Is, their dads are ballers. Their dads are ballers. The dads are ballers. Um, they play with one unky and one artisan. Yes, the hero twins' older brothers. Got it. Yep. So the four of them, they're playing the ball game all the time. Uh, you know the the falcon likes to come down and watch, and he's hurricane's messenger. Um. But the Falcon isn't the only person watching them when they play. Down below, in Shibaba, in the underworld, the lords of death were listening. Every day the disrespectful trample of the ball players' feet could echo overhead. And the lawgivers, one in seven death, the highest lords of Shibaba, they called a meeting. So so these are these are the these are the lords of Shibaba. Um scab stripper and blood gatherer, they are the lords assigned to draw blood from people. There is the demon of pus and the demon of jaundice, who make people sick. There's bone scepter and skull scepter, the staff bearers of Shibalba. And they wear people down through hunger until, their bones, until they are just bones to be made into staves. Um, there's the demon of filth and the demon of woe, who terrify and disgust. And finally, there's wing and packstrap, who like to kill people suddenly without warning on the road. All of these guys are led by one death and seven death. Uh, and these are the people who summoned se- one in seven Hunapu to Shibalba. All right. So they have their owl messengers called the military keepers of the Mott. Um, the owls come uh, come to one in seven Hunapu, say, all right, bring your, bring your equipment. You're invited to a game down in Shibalba. <laughs> So, so one monkey and one artisan, being just boys, they stayed behind. One and seven Hunapu hid their ball and their equipment in the rafters of Shmukane's home, and left behind a sobbing Shmukane and set off on the road to Shibalba after the messengers. Uh, they made it through Scorpion Canyon, crossed the Blood River. They made the they made it through those guys without a scratch. But but their first stumbling block block was when they got to the crossroads, where where they took the black road, um instead of the path to Shibalba and they had to like find their way back. You know, like, I, I don't quite understand how the crossroads work, but apparently it's like a secret road down to Shibalba. Um, and they, they didn't find the secret road. They found the, the one that claims it's going. Um, so yeah, finally, they, they the one in seven Hunapu, the fathers of the hero twins, um, finally reach the council place of the Lords of Shibalba where they see two figures seated above them. Um, One Hunapu and Seven Hoonipoo greeted them. Good morning, One Death. Good morning, Seven Death. And overhead, the Lords of Shibaba are just shouting with laughter because they just greeted a couple of mannequins and made a couple of fools out of themselves. Um, so so, the the Lords of Death are tricksters. They like to have fun. (laughs) They are having a great time already. Um, so One and Seven Death spoke. (laughs) All right, all right. It's good that you guys have come. Um tomorrow. You can put those yokes and arm guards of yours to use. Um, But in the meanwhile, why don't you just have a seat? I said, offering a bench. Uh, One in Hunapu and seven Hunapu sit down and burn their asses because that's not a bench. It's a hot rock. Uh, (laughs) The the, the, the lords of death are having another laugh at this. They're like, got him again. A couple of rubes. This is going to be good. Now, Shibalba is full of tests and trials. There's the Dark House, there's the Rattling House, the Jaguar House, the Bat House, the Razor House. Um, one in seven Hunapu never made it past the Dark House. Oh, no. No, they, uh, they're uh, in the blackness. One in seven Death sent the ball players a lit torch and a cigar with instructions to return them just as they had found them. This put them in a bit of a catch-22, because... If they turn down these gifts, that would be a grave offense to the lords. Like you're gonna get sacrificed. Um if you don't smoke these, but if you smoke them, they're gonna be gone. So they, they 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 didn't you know, they have a lit match, they're in a dark house, they don't you know, it's, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Smoke the cigars.
0: Yeah. Shit.
1: Yeah. So the next day, a one in seven death. Alright, where's my cigars? Where's my torch? Uh, while we finish them, your lordship, <laughs> it's, well, very well. Looks like you're getting sacrificed then. <laughs> so they cut off one Hunapu's head and they buried the body. Holy
0: shit.
1: <laughs> this is, there's so many decapitations. There will be more decapitations.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Okay.
1: Oh, man. So they cut I'm off his head. This. Isn't it great? Oh, man. I've been sitting on this story for days. <laughs> So, so, they cut off one Hunapu's head and they buried the body with his brother, Seven Hunapu, at the place of ball game sacrifice. Um, the head they put in the fork of a tree by the road. Um, shortly afterwards, after they put the skull in this tree, it starts producing all kinds of fruit, like uh, calabash fruits, that are indistinguishable from the skull placed in there. So, you know, the, the, the lords, this, now that this tree is mysteriously fruiting more skulls, they're like, that seems sketchy. Nobody go near that tree. Let's let's just make it a rule. That tree is forbidden. Nobody fuck with it, okay? Alright, cool. All of Shibalba's in agreement. Except for Blood Moon. Uh this is the daughter of Blood Gatherer, the one of the first mentioned lords of Shibalba. Yep. So she, she was a little bit intrigued by these rumors. Um, she, she heard that, you know, the rumors are spreading that, that, that there's this delicious forbidden fruit of the calabash tree. And Blood Moon's like, I gotta try me some of that fruit. Um, so one day she sneaks out and she goes to the tree by herself. Well, here you are. Isn't it a shame to see all this tasty fruit go to waste? And the skull of one Hunapu, still in the tree, still hidden by the fruit, speaks out. Why Why do you want a mere bone? You don't want this fruit, it told her. No, no, I think I do, actually, said Blood Moon. All right, fine, stretch out your hand. So she did, and then the skull spat into her palm, and the spittle disappeared in an instant. And the skull speaks out. The father does not disappear, but goes on being fulfilled. Neither dimmed nor destroyed is the face of a lord, a warrior, craftsman, orator. Rather, he will leave his daughters and sons, so it is that I have done likewise through you. Now go up there on the face of the earth. You will not die. Keep the word. So be it. Six months after this weird encounter with the spitting fruit tree in the skull, Blood Moon is super pregnant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... So we have a forbidden uh, virgin birth by forbidden fruit tree.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, so... So... Virgin lady got impregnated by the Chad tree? Yes. Cool.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah, so so six months later, she's... Chad su-
0: tree out here just fucking getting ladies impregnated with its skull fruit.
1: Post-mortem hoonapoo just pff, preggers.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <coughs> I think it's water. Alright, so six months later, Blood Moon super pregnant. Her father super pissed. Like, the, the lords gather, and they instruct Bloodgatherer, her dad, to uh, get the truth out of this girl. And if she doesn't talk, you gotta sacrifice her. So Bloodgatherer obliged, and he summoned his daughter. And he asks her, who's the father of your child? Bloodmoon, uh, Blood the woman, she's like, there, there is no child, my father, sir. There's no man whose face I've known. Very well, said Bloodgatherer, a bastard. Owls, take her away. Bring me back her heart in a bowl.
0: Holy shit. Yeah.
1: So the, the I
0: mean, <laughs> everybody's just killing everyone. What in the world is this? <laughs> this is a creation story. and There's just so much murder.
1: Oh, there's so much of it. Just, things must die for there to be life. Life and death are a cyclical process. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, 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 uh, they call the owls in the owls take her away with uh they bring the white dagger of sacrifice and they have been instructed to go take her and bring back her heart so after they're out of earshot from the lords of shibaba blood moon turns to the owls and she's like okay look you guys i'm not carrying a bastard i i she tells them how she got pregnant from the calabash tree about the magic from one Hunapu, and and the owls hear this and they're like Okay, well we definitely don't want to kill you because that's gonna piss off some higher gods. That's that's some weird magic voodoo that we we're not gonna we're not gonna kill you. We're we're not gonna bring down whatever higher power made this happen. Alright, so uh, where were we at again? Um, so the so the owls, they don't wanna kill her. Um, but you know, they're they're just owls and there's the lords of Shibaba are demanding a heart from them. And they're like, mm-hmm. well well we gotta bring them something. So, Blood Moon, alright, alright, my heart is not going to be theirs, nor will your homes be here, nor will you simply force people to die, but hereafter, what will truly be yours will be the true bearers of bastards, and hereafter, as for one in seven death, only blood, only nodules of sap will be theirs, and she gathers the sticky red sap from the croton tree, molds it into the shape of her heart, and sends that in its place. The owls bring it back in a bowl, and it works! the The lords fall for it. They they dry the sap over the fire, and they are entranced by the smell. Mm. Um, so yeah, that you know, Blood Moon, she's escaped. She has successfully fooled the lords of Shibalba.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, she comes to Shmikane and asks her to take her in, and Shmikane. It's like who the fuck is this lady? <laughs> she 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 just had like a couple of sons and her sons died and now she has her grandsons and this random she woman is running up like I'm your daughter-in-law. Mukana is like, but no, you're not. My sons are dead. What are you? Yeah, uh, look, I just I have her grandsons, one monkey and one artisan. They're all I have left of my sons. If you. Really are who you say you are. Go out into their garden and pick a net full of ripe maize and bring it back. And that's
0: and this is one monkey and one
1: one artisan are the sons of one and seven yes. Hunapu.
0: Okay.
1: They are uh, the hero twins' older brothers. Hero
0: twins' older brothers. Yep, that's what I thought. Okay.
1: Yep. Cool. So so Blood Woman goes out into their garden, and there's just a single stalk of corn, just one, and she's supposed to get a whole net of corn out of this thing. So, so she does, so she draws on all, but she's pregnant with gods right now. So she has all kinds of magic flowing through her body. She draws on their power and calls on the guardians of food. Come on out, rise up now. Come on out, stand up now. Thunder woman, yellow woman, cacao woman, and cornmeal woman. Thou guardians of the food of one monkey, one artisan. She grabs the ear of corn by the silks. She pulls and pulls and pulls and she keeps pulling and, ear after ear after ear, all tied together by the string of silk. They all come flying out until finally her net is filled. Um, Shmukane saw what she'd done. She knew Blood Moon was speaking the truth because there's no other way she would have that kind of powerful corn magic if she wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. carrying her grandsons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Shmukane takes in the strange Shibobin woman. Um, does not mean she cares for her or her twins. So after losing one and seven hunapu um one monkey and one artisan they had cared for their grandmother they sang for her raised her spirits following the loss of her sons Mm -hmm. when they acted cruelly towards their little brothers hunapu and Shbalanke, shmukane didn't really let it ruffle her feathers um so the hero twins they were born to be successors of their fathers they had innate talent genius powerful magic just through their blood um one monkey and artisan were also very great knowers and powerful magicians in their own right and they knew genius when they saw it and they were deeply jealous of these boys <laughs> never never paid them a single compliment never had a nice word to say um they were so jealous that when the ba- when the twins were just babies they like left them on an anthill a central american anthill um babies slept soundly through the night not a single bite. They tried again with brambles. No luck. They, they locked the boys out of the house and refused to let them in. And the boy gods just lived in the mountains. Hunting, trapping. They were they were clever. Um, they knew they worth enough to know that they were being mistreated. But they aren't, like, angry or jealous. Every day, they bring back birds for their relatives. And every day, their relatives get back nothing. Until one day... The, the twins came to Shmikane's home empty-handed. Their grandmother asked them, What's this? Where, where are my birds? Well, well, we shot them, Grandma, but they, but they got hung up in the tree. We can't get them down. Um, you were hoping maybe your big brothers could come help get them down? All right, fine, we'll come with you, said one monkey and one artisan. We'll, we'll go at dawn. Um, God,
0: I'm waiting to figure out how these two are going to die. If these two have to become... Yeah, to the hero twin, just to
1: fucking die. yeah so seems
0: to be the story here
1: it's a recurring theme the hero twins if you get in their way Mm -hmm. so they they they, they lead their, their older brothers they send them up the tree after all these chittering birds and they do a little magic when their brothers climb the tree and the tree grows and grows keeps growing it keeps, and then they look down. Jesus they are towering over the forest floor, like in the sky. They're <laughs> just like, "Shit!" Grabbing onto the branches. Um, guys, uh, <laughs> help! <laughs> and then Hunapu and Spolakare are down there, and like, "Uh, oh, it's it's cool, man. Just put your take your trousers, tie them around your waist, and you can use that to move around." And one, one monkey and one artisan are just like, that sounds weird, but we'll, we'll trust you. You guys are magical. Mm. And they put, they put their pants around their waist, and that turns into tails, and they become monkeys.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Turned into monkeys.
0: Turned into monkeys.
1: Yep. So, we're in a and come home. <laughs> Grandma, terrible news. Our brothers are acting like animals. I don't know what happened. They've lost their senses. And Shmukane is just, ugh. What did you do? What did you... Yeah, I can't... If you did something to my sons, I'm not going to be able to handle this. They're like, no, no, no. Like, they're fine. We'll call them. So Hunapun, Shbilanke, they're playing their flutes, and they're singing, and they're drumming. And then their brothers, now monkeys, come running out of the woods, and they're just, like, doing monkey shit. Dancing, going crazy. Mm-hmm. Shmukane laughs her ass off. She can't handle this. They're just... Uh, she she tries, but she can't stop laughing at these fucking monkey dudes just dancing to their music.
0: <laughs> they run
1: away. They're so embarrassed. <laughs> and then Hunapu and Shpulange call them back, and Shmikane laughs, and they run away. And this goes on a few more times until finally one monkey and one artisan just give up, and they live in the woods now, just like they made their brothers do when they were babies.
0: Okay.
1: Yep. Uh... So this is an interesting thing about One Monkey and Artisan is that they were defeated. They ran away in shame, but that didn't stop them from being venerated as the gods of art and music that they were. Mm -hmm. Like they fucked up, but their genius was still celebrated. You know, their defeat was simply a lesson, a reminder to stay humble and kind and not act out of jealousy, because these are very, you know, fallible gods.
0: Like, yeah, it seems like that's a really common theme.
1: Yeah, there are no infallible gods anywhere in the story. I mean, even the the highest gods, you know, Gukamots and Hurricane, like they still need help to build people. hmm Uh yeah. So so now the Hero Twins, they've taken their older brother's place. Um now it's their garden, yeah. it's their home. Uh so, yeah, they, they go out to work the garden, and um, instead mm-hmm. of actually working it, they just use magic so that their tools are enchanted and they do all the work for them.
0: Oh, wow. That's pretty That's pretty good, though. I think that's pretty uh, – I think that that's a pretty cool thing.
1: Yeah. I, I love it so much. Um, so, Hunapu and Shbalanke they have their tools doing all their work for them. Mm-hmm. They just pretend to be busy whenever Shmukane comes by. Of course. Um, so, yeah, they, they clear some plot, and then the next morning – uh, you know, they, they make a big show of rubbing their sore muscles and they go out to the field and it's completely overrun with forest all over again.
0: Oh my god,
1: this happens a couple of times, <laughs> and finally they decide to stay overnight and just scout out and see what happens. Um, they're, they're hiding in the shadows and near the field, and after sunset, all of the animals of the forest come and walk around the plot they just cleared. They whisper to the earth and you know, they encourage all the trees and the wild things to grow, and they do, and they take over, and it's forest again. Because animal magic. They're they're the guardians of the forest. Okay. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they tried catching an animal. They tried the jaguar and the puma, and they're too fast. The fox and the peccary and the coati, they all got away from them. Um, they tried catching the deer and the rabbit, but they only managed to pluck off their tails, leaving them short. Um. Okay. Oh, no, accidentally scrolled down too much. Finally, they they caught the rat. Uh, They performed a little bit of enhanced interrogation, and they choked him until his eyes bugged out and the hair was burned from his tail, and that's why rats look the way they do now. Finally, the rat spoke. Stop, stop. Okay, look, you boys, you are not farmers, but gardening... not your job we're not gonna let you farm you need permission from nature to do that shit and you do not have permission uh you you guys have a different job and the boys are like what is our job what fine I'll name it I'll tell you what you're here for but I'm gonna want my morsel of food for it so they make a deal and so the rat goes you know kernels of maize squash seeds chili beans if anything of of the rats is stored or gets wasted, it's his to gnaw away at. In return, he leads them to their father's ball playing equipment up in the rafters, pulls it down for them, and just, "You guys are ball players. That's your fucking job." Hunapu and Spelanke Sh- Shp- lose their shit. We're ballers. Oh fuck yeah, we're ballers. <laughs> Uh, they, they they immediately run down the road. They're like, That's... we're gonna play this game. We're gonna oh, do shit. it. And down below in Shibalba, their footsteps are echoing and the Lords stop. What is that sound? We killed their fathers for this, summon uh... them. <laughs> and now it's time for Hunapu and Shpilanki's final journey. <laughs>
0: Jesus.
1: Yup really long. Oh, I, I again I
0: No 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 you're no, no no other with the story.
1: This is fine. Keep going. Keep, okay. going. keep going. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna keep going. So I mean, this is just a
0: long creation story.
1: It is. It is like Beowulf meets the Bible.
0: Yeah, it's taken from yeah, wow. hmm
1: It's a big one. Okay, yeah, it's go on. Alright, so um so the 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 Lords of Shibaba. Mm-hmm. People are playing that ball game again. They are pissed. <laughs> So they send the owl messengers up to Shmukane. Seven days. The game will be in seven days. They had better be there. Shmukane. she's already been through the shit before, so she's heartbroken. Like, she'd just gotten her sons back, and now it's happening all over again. Mm-hmm. So so she couldn't bear to tell them herself, so she gave a message to the louse. The louse ran into a toad who said, well, we'll, we'll never make it. You're never going to make it in time. Here, I got you. He swallows the louse. The, the toad comes to a snake. They have a similar conversation, and the snake swallows the toad. Then the snake is swallowed by a falcon, who flew the rest of the way to the court. Um, and immediately gets hit with a fucking blow dart, because Hunapu and Shpelonke don't fuck around. Um, they they, they kind of blew out the falcon's eyes. Um, the falcon's like, hey, I got a message for you. Fix my eye, and you'll get it. I'm like, oh, shit, okay, fine. They fix his eye, Um, they take a little piece of rubber off their ball and put that in the falcon's eye and heal it. And they call this blood of sacrifice because the Maya refused to stop being fucking metal for even a second.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it seems like it.
1: (laughs) So the falcon throws up the snake and the snake throws up the toad and the toad hacks and drools and he can't get the louse out. So the boys smack his back and they leave him covered in bumps and warts and only to find the louse is just stuck in his teeth. Mm-hmm. so the louse gives them their grandmother's mes- message and they knew when they heard these words that the louse is speaking the truth it, their time had come to meet their fate to, to confront one in seven death once and for all so they went back to their grandmother's house there in the middle of the house they planted two green ears of corn one for Hunapu, one for Spelanke and they told their grandmother um, as long as we remain alive so will this corn and when the corn dries up it'll be a sign of our death so they left and they crossed the river of blood on their bow darts, or on their blow darts. They, uh, they made it past the crossroads. They took right, the, the correct road down to Shibalba. When they came to the mannequins, they sent forth Mosquito. Um, and he bit every single seated figure he saw. And one by one, they shouted out, like, just, ah, what's the matter, one death? Something bit me. Ouch! Seven death, what's wrong? Something bit me. One by one, until each of the lords had been named. So the boys arrived, greeted by a mannequin. Well, that's not fucking real. Oh, hey, there you are, the real ones. Good morning, one death. Good morning, seven death. And they greeted each of the lords by name. Scab Stripper, Blood Gatherer, Demon of Pus, Demon of Jaundice, bone Scepter, Skull Scepter, Wing, Packstrap, Bloody Teeth, and Bloody Claws. All of them. Uh, and the lords are not happy about this. <laughs> Last time, this was like the second time they'd fuck up their fathers. So they're a little bit miffed. They're a little bit miffed. Um... So, all right, fine, they have more trips, more tricks and trials up their sleeves. They offer the boys a seat. The boys decline. Like, that's just a hot rock. We're not going to fall for that. Ugh, fine, just go to the dark house. So just as he had with their fathers, one death uh, sent them a lit torch and a cigar with instructions to return them intact. Same catch-22 as before. So, but different boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Hunapu and, uh, no, sorry, Hunapu and Shbilanke, they put a macaw feather on the torch to make it look like a flame, and a couple of fireflies on the end of cigars. They pretend to smoke all night long, and they hand it all back completely intact at the end of the day. And, uh, hmm. and the lords of Shibaba are freaking out, because this is where they got their dads last time. Yep. They're like, who the hell are you where are you from the boys had no answer to give them fine we'll just start the game so the and lords wanted to use their ball but the hero twins weren't fooled. they were just like dude that's just a skull with a knife in it what no it's not this is, <laughs> this is a real ball what? no that it's clearly just a skull with a knife in it no we would never <laughs> <laughs> holding a skull with a knife in it yeah <laughs> come on it's just a ball and then, like, all right, fine. Uh, the Shabalbans toss the ball. Hunapu hits it out of the sky with his yolk, And then the white dagger, the same knife that had once been intended for their mother, mm-hmm. mother's heart, comes clattering out of the skull. And they look at the lords. They're like, you guys are just... Y'all are just trifling. We're gonna go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the lords, no, 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 wait, no, wait, no, okay, okay, stop. We'll, fine, we'll play with your ball. Just, please don't go. We, we you know they—they're they're having too much fun. They—they they can't just let these boys walk away without getting all trickstered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So so they—they they play, and you know, well actually no. First they have to agree what to play for. If they won, the lords, um, they asked for full bull, four bowls of flowers: one of white petals, one red, one yellow, and one of whole flowers. And the boys—they played strong. They played well. And they were clever athletes who were, grew up in the fucking mountains. You know they. But, but towards the end of the game, they, they give themselves up in defeat in this round, and the Shibalbans rejoice. Finally, we got them. There's no way they're going to get these petals. We live in Shibalba, the underworld. The only flowers here are the ones growing in one in seven death's garden, and it, it's guarded by whippoorwills. Alright, so tonight, you're going to stay in the razor house, because the dark house clearly didn't work. Um, before the night is over, you got to hand over our flowers and our prize surely this would finish them off um but you know like how are you gonna get past the whippoorwill guards and in the razor house it's it's full of knives hungry for their flesh so the boys made a deal oh with the knives god
0: holy shit this is
1: <laughs> it's it's metal every way
0: <sighs> yeah holy shit
1: <laughs> they made a deal with the knives um so to the knives went the flesh of every animal animal um that's that's what they get. They. get uh in okay. return for not killing the hero twins they get all the meat
0: yep okay so this is just setting up the world
1: yep i setting up the world as you do uh next they summoned ants and the ants sneak into the flower garden they sneak past the whippoorwill guards unsuspecting they gather all the petals that the twins need and at dawn before you know the twins have their petals now the lords are starting to get a little bit scared. <laughs> Nothing is working, and why aren't they defeated yet? And The whippoorwill guards, they had their mouths split wide open as punishment, and that's why their descendants have big gaping mouths to this day. Um,
0: okay, whippoorwills. Got whippoorwills.
1: So, so the next day's game ended in a draw. Again at dawn, said Shibaba. There, There was no joy in their voices now. The third night, they entered the cold house. And the twins, they just they just shut it out. Like They had the ants and the brambles. They slept in as babies. It was a little cold. It didn't do nothing to them. Uh, after that came the house of fire. Um, oh, they, got a, they got a little bit of a light toasting from that one, but they never burned. Um, the Shabalbans were starting to lose heart at this point. Uh, next came the house of bats. The, the bats... Of this... So are they ever
0: actually going to play this game?
1: Oh yeah, they play it every day. So every day they play the game. It ends in a draw. They stay at a house. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like f- finally they're at the House of Bats. Um, there These are no ordinary bats. These are giant monstrous beasts with mouths like razors. Um, the Hero Twins hid in their blow darts that night. Because why not? <laughs> okay. So as morning approached, Spelanke whispered to Hunapu, is it over? Are they done? Hunapu, I don't know, let me check. He sticks his head out. And then a bat bites it clean off. I told you this Hunapu will be dismembered again.
0: <laughs> oh my God!
1: He has no head. <laughs> uh, and uh, the the bat takes the head, brings it to the and lords, drops it at their feet, and it rolls into the court. Hell yes! <laughs> the Shababan's finally there. They're like, "All right, we got you now, boys." Hmm. Well, so meanwhile. The summoned all the animals and had them bring them their food. One by one, they dropped off what they what they ate, you know, rotting leaves, wood, bits of earth. And then finally, the kawati comes bringing a squash. Perfect. A uh, hurricane comes down to the bad house to lend a hand, carving the face and gifting it with attention. Um, this was very slow, painful work. They, they had to send the possum out to put streaks in the sky and slow down the dawn. Um... Finally, the head was done. How is it? They asked Hunapu. He rolled his neck and he cracked his jaw. said, "All said, alright. Alright, this will do. And that night they talked, they made arrangements, they passed their plans on to the rabbit. This morning's game, the Shbalanke arrived at the ball court and the Shbalbans, giddy with glee, they rolled Hunapu's head into the court. We finally got you now, boys! And then Hunapu comes running up like, pun it! Are, are you kidding me? And then Spelanke punts the ball. Hunapu's head. It rolls to the edge of the court. The rabbit grabs it and runs off with it. And the gods are chasing after the rabbit. <laughs> uh, they, they, they finally get- uh, The rabbit sneaks around and he gives the head back to the twins. They plant the squash above the court. Grab their ball from their bag. And they call back to the lords. And the lords come back blinking and confused. And just go about the game. Again, it ends in a draw. Um finally Uh yeah, so Hunapu and Shbalanke. Despite all the odds, despite all the dangers, they had survived. But they're starting to get a little worn down. They've been here a minute. And that night they talk with each other and with two midmost seers named Shulu and Pakam. It was becoming clear that the gods of death are never going to let them go. This
0: was a story that they just told
1: orally all the time? This was recitations were a special oh, gee. event. Gee, I,
0: I imagine, because it seemed like it would take all day.
1: I mean, this is, <laughs> this is the shortened version of it. I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like This is, like, so long. Like, I feel like... This would have been an event like the Greek tragedy. There was
0: no... Was there an editor for this? Like, someone could have, like... <laughs> Ah, uh, nope. Oh man, this is, just a, this is this is like an in-depth story. They're covering everything. Why frogs are bumpy? Yep. Why knives are knives? Why got <laughs> yep. <laughs> why monkeys exist? Like this is just they're like getting at it.
1: Oh yeah, there no stone will be left Yeah, in the I know. Deep lore. Deep lore. So, so the the twins, they're starting to realize that the gods are just never going to let them go.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Uh, you know, they're... as I figured
0: out that they've stayed in like forty different houses.
1: Yeah, they they've been in trial after trial, and they're still here in fucking Shibaba.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, is that is this the actual story really, or that it doesn't I... actually end and humans don't exist?
1: Oh, uh, we'll we'll find out. <laughs> so every one of the lords of Shibalba has gathered here mm-hmm. to see their death. Like that's what they're here for. And how much longer are they gonna last? It was inevitable; they were gonna die. So. So the next day, the Shibabins have constructed a great oven. Uh, one in seven deaths. Send for the twins, and they're gonna try Boy. to force them—you know—force them into a game and trick them into jumping into the oven. Hunapu and they have had a good long talk about this, and then they've made arrangements. They look at each other, look in the oven. Let's go, and they jump in, and are instantly incinerated.
0: Um. Okay.
1: Yep. Uh, they are dead. The corn in Shmukane's house dried dead the second they died. Okay. Shmukane's grieving. The, the, the Shibabin lords are losing their shit. Could you? They just jumped in just like that. What? There, there's nothing in the oven but charred bones. We did it. We did it, guys. We finally got them. We finally got rid of these fucking dudes. <laughs> um, so they summon the seers, Shulu and Pakam. The seers fulfill their promise to the twins and advise that these bones be ground into dust like hard corn is ground into flour and sprinkled into the river. And the bone dust settles down into the river silt. A couple of days later, a couple of fish are spotted, bearing a strange resemblance to the twins. Ah, after the catfish came, two poor men, born from the river, dressed in rags these two vagrants they go around they perform all kinds of feats and miracles they walk on stilts they dance they make music and they do all kinds of impossible tricks they would burn down a house and then it'll come right back they, they would sacrifice themselves taking turns ripping out each other's hearts and bringing each other back to life it was a hit okay it wasn't long before news of these two performers reached the Lords of Shibaba. This
0: like a wild ass show to just come on to them. Like, I'm Jerry and I'm Lucian, and we're the Kill Each Other Brothers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what they did, though. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like, like, and it was a hit. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, you got to see the Kill Each Other Brothers." Yeah, I they mean, straight up uh, murk each other, hard. and the, they don't
0: die. It wasn't Netflix back then. Point. So there was know, no take, Netflix back then. It took any entertainment you could get. And if it was <laughs> two brothers ripping each other's hearts off periodically, then that's what you watched. That's what you watched. Oh, man. All right.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a hit show. It did not <laughs> see, it, it did not take long for the lords of Shibalba to hear about this. And, you know, they could use some entertainment. So uh, so they send their messengers. Jeez, oh, my gosh. We're going back here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so they send their messengers... Uh, to, to summon the two vagrants and the two men they're just like what us no we could we could never show our humble faces in the house of a lord and the owls press and slowly painfully the messengers lead these reluctant men to the shabalban lords where they feigned humility they kept their faces down the lords are like so who are you guys where are you come from no we don't know her her parents died when we were young and, you know mama's so broke she didn't leave me a name this shit again and the lords are like, whatever, a couple of vagrants. Let's let's see your tricks. We want to see you do your tricks. We've heard a lot about the, we've heard a lot about your act. We want to see it. Give us a show, huh? What do you want in return? Oh, us? We we couldn't. Oh, we're we're so afraid. Nonsense. We'll give you a show. We'll pay you. Okay. All right. Let's do it. The boys went all out on this one. They danced the weasel, the whippoorwill, the dance of the armadillo, and a car- a crowd gathered as the lords watched in glee. Hey hey, why don't you sacrifice my dog and bring him back? The lords beg, and the boys delivered. They they ended the life, the dog's life quickly with a yelp. And then they put his heart back inside and the dog bounds back to life, yipping and wagging his tail. And he's, this dog is, as he's alive again. <laughs> Unrelenting mirth. And you know, it's, it's an exaltation of life against the impossibility. The lords are losing their shit. That's so cool. Do my house. So they set fire to the house, packed with all these spectators, and the house burns around them. But everybody inside is fine. And the house, boom, right back up as if it had never been burned down before. Now the lords are really losing their brains. Oh my god. Do a person. Do a person. You haven't done any people yet. So the the twins, they take a person from the crowd, and they cut out his heart. They show it to the lords, and then they stick it right back in. The spectator gasps back to life. His wound heals instantly, and he scurries back into the crowd, forever changed. No, you! No, you! Sacrifice yourselves! And and Shbilanke cut Hunapu's head clean off, sending it rolling away outside. And he dug out his heart, and he smothered it under a leaf. The Shibalbans are going wild! Get up! Do it! Get up now, said Spelanke. The Hunapu springs back to life. The lords cannot take it anymore. Do us! Do it! Do it to us! Sacrifice us! We want to try it! Sacrifice us!
0: Yeah, I knew we were going here.
1: And the men, well, they held back their glee. Very well. You ought to come back to life. I mean, what is death to you? And aren't we making you happy along with the vassals of your domain? One in seven death are waiting, giddy and excitement. Like we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. Oh my God, this is so cool. And Hunapu and Spelanke, they exchanged knowing glance behind him. They took one death's heart, and then they took seven deaths' heart. They did not bring them back.
0: Nope.
1: Nope. All of Shibalba gathered there. there, piling into the canyon. I mean, like, like, I mean,
0: I mean, that's just, I mean, come on, guys. Come
1: on, guys. Rookie shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You think just because you incinerated
1: them, they're gone? Oh, no. So one in seven death are defeated. All the lords of Shibalba come in to, you know, beg for mercy. Uh, The Hunapu and Shbalanke reveal their faces and they name themselves and their fathers who they had come to avenge. We've suffered, we've suffered all the troubles you have caused us and so we're putting an end to you all we're going to kill you no one can save you now and the shabalbans are begging for a mercy please don't kill us Do they just kill them all well they think about it and you know the shabalbans are begging and crying and pleading and yes <laughs> all right very well now this is our word we shall name it for you all of you listen you shabalbans because of this, your day and your descendants will not be great. Moreover, the gifts you will you will receive will no longer be great, but reduced to scabrous nodules of sap. There will be no cleanly bottled blood for you, just griddles, gourds, brittle things broken to pieces. Further, you will only feed on the creatures of the meadows and the clearings. None of those who are born in the light, begotten in the light, will be yours. Only the worthless will yield themselves up before you. These will be the guilty, the violent, the wretched, the afflicted. Wherever the blame is clear, that is where you will come in, rather than just making sudden attacks on people in general. And you will hear petitions over heated up sap. So now Shibalba has been brought down low. The great imposters are all defeated. The wooden people have been washed away and ground into dust. Uh, the cream corn in Shmikane's home died and then it returned back to life. Uh, the twins, they resurrected their father, one Hunapu, and he became the god of maize. They, they themselves rose into the sky and became the true sun in the moon. Um, the 400 boys ascended into heaven with them to accompany the hero twins as the stars. Mm. And now dawn has finally risen. There is a sun. The earth is made safe. The human work began again. The bearer, begetter, the makers, the modelers named Tepeu Gugumats. The, the animals brought forth the staple foods, corn, ma- you know, squash, cacao, zapotes, nanas, jacotes, nances. Um, Shmukane ground the corn, Gugumats molded it, and the first people were born. Uh, the, the, their first words were words of gratitude. They were smart, wise, brave. They could see far. They had a sense of the divine. The gods were a little bit intimidated by the magic they possessed. So to keep the humans from being too godlike, Heart of Sky clouded their vision so they could only see what was close. Um, That way they can't know everything. Uh, They made wives and together these people went on to become the Mayans. And that is the story of how... Well,
0: Well, holy shit. Yep. I mean, that was... That was bananas. That was wild.
1: That was a fucking saga, right?
0: Yeah, it is.
1: (laughs) And that's just one of many, many tales and traditions around this plant. This is the one that tells you how humans were born from corn. And like, I don't know. We talked earlier about how corn was born from humans. I don't see these accounts as mutually opposing so much as just two different halves of a greater whole. Yeah. Yeah. We raise the corn, the corn raises us.
0: Indeed. I mean, yeah, I mean, we need the corn, right? You know, I mean, I mean, we grow the corn, but it's not just to grow the corn, it's because we need it.
1: Yeah, it's because we eat it, it becomes part of our bodies. And th- this was a long ass story because most of it is symbolism. Um,
0: yeah, yeah I, of, yeah, I definitely noticed that.
1: Yeah, a lot of the events can be signed up, uh, or uh, they'll, they'll correspond to um, celestial events. Uh, I think Seven Macaw is the Big Dipper. Um, Mm, Okay. Right? But yeah, it's also just death and resurrection. Um, You could argue that the descent of the Hero Twins into Sheep Alba is reminiscent of when you toss corn kernels into the underworld or the dirt from which they are reborn. It's death and life and death repeating. A cyclical journey between revival and resurrection and that's just the life of a maze that's been the life of maze and that's been the life of human beings this whole time
0: yeah okay
1: but yeah so that was
0: i mean that's really interesting that's such a fascinating i mean it's such a wild maybe one of the crazy one of the i mean definitely one of the more i, I don't i mean it's such a know, such a massive story and a really interesting creation story
1: Oh, it's probably one of my favorite creation stories ever. It's so metal.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's super fucking metal. That so was So
1: metal. Hunapu's head comes off so many times.
0: Yeah, that guy doesn't die.
1: That guy just gets dismembered. <laughs>
0: you're yeah. pressed
1: Right? And, like, in order to defeat death, they don't defeat death. They confront death, and they become it. Mm-hmm. I also really love Seven Macaw. I think that's how we should treat rich people.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
1: Take their riches, but yeah. So that is, that is just a one piece of corn lore from one culture that grew it amongst the many thousands of cultures and stories that I don't know. Um, so yeah, that that was that's part one. We'll we'll come back into it. With, I, I I mean I I hope you guys enjoyed this journey. Yeah, this was
0: definitely. <laughs> I, I apologize again. This is definitely this episode's. Very long. <laughs> um, but we have, this is the first part. Our next one, I don't think will be as long, but you knows? Probably,
1: I don't know. I haven't even started writing that one. Um, but yeah, we do have to, after this, we're going to talk about how white people came here and decided corn was just animal feed, not fit for human consumption.
0: Yeah, today was just, this was just the history of corn pre-colonialism and its importance in South American in South America, not just as a crop, but as part of the identity of the people who live there. Mm-hmm. And next time when we're gonna talk about how our approach to corn is now, we'll see how our approach would does such a disservice both to yeah. them and the world that we live in.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think what I love about the story is that corn is a character within a greater cast of wider characters, including all of the animals, the forest, the people, the sky, the earth, the water. It's just one character among many, and I think that's how we should treat ourselves and every other living thing. It's part of a system. It's part of a network. That way of thinking is not going to drive corn corn culture in the 20th century.
0: Yeah, I agree. It, it's definitely not.
1: But I think it's important because it can be a guiding light to where to go in the future. Yeah. Like people have lived with this in a respectful manner. I think we can do that again. You know, maybe we leave the human sacrifice in the past, which again, not everybody practiced, you know, that that, we're just talking about Mesoamerican context, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot more people grew corn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think that we should. We should definitely make a better non-monoculture
1: relationship.
0: And that's just all of our agriculture, but corn specifically because of how much we use it. Dude. And how it, it because we use it so much, it sort of becomes this target of corn is bad, mm-hmm. but it's not. Our relationship to corn can use some work.
1: Yes, that's that's what I really want people to take away from the story.
0: Okay, well, yeah. thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope that you enjoyed it, and we hope that you look forward to the next episode. Uh, and I want to get this episode out, uh, you know, as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. Thanks for for coming on this ride with us, y'all.
0: Yeah, and we will look forward to you joining us next time. Uh, Again, this has been Kitchen Kitchen Counterculture. My name is Jonathan.
1: I'm Savannah. uh,
0: And thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.